Welcome back to the Akatak Podcast. As always, I'm your host, a guardian of peace and justice in the Old Republic for 100 podcast episodes, Z. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the best star pilot in the galaxy, a cunning warrior, and a good friend, Jay. How are you doing this week, Jay? I'm doing just fine. For a second there, I thought you were going to make me like an evil Sith. That's something that I would do to you. (laughs) Um, So I was like, well, you know what? What goes around comes around. Got to take this in the chin, I think. But I got to be Han Solo. I don't know who. who, who it's Anakin. Oh. It's what Obi-Wan's describing him. It's all from the same scene in A New Hope when he's like the Jedi were the guardians of peace and justice. And your father was the best star upon the galaxy. And he was a cunning warrior. And he was a good friend. And a good friend. I love that friend. Yeah. See, you get it. Yeah. It's a great meme. Not a good one. But yeah. I thought it'd be a nice one. Happy one. It's like, it's Jack, cause for celebration this week, I think. It really is. Because as I alluded to there, this is our hundredth episode. Uninterrupted. We have gone every single week for a hundred weeks. It's kind of wild. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's I was I, I always think about it of like I don't do anything else. Like I can't think of a time where I didn't do this every week. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but like it, it just feels like it's such a it's such a rhythm to it that it's like oh yeah. Well, yeah, like it's just like you get caught. It's like oh, well, it's got I it's do. got a momentum to it, right? Yeah. Like inertia and all that. And also, Jack, if I may, I think there's something even more important than our 100th episode of the podcast. Dare I say it, Jack? Uh, more important? What could that be? I think so. Which is that you graduated from college this week. I which did. I think is very impressive. Well, At least as you. impressive as this thing. At least, yeah. I would say they're about even. I mean, it's longer. <laughs> it took. It did take me longer. It took me about twice as long to do the graduate then for me to do the podcast so from from that perspective alone i mean there's something and it caused me considerably more money that's yeah so in those two metrics alone it is significantly greater oh thing so that's cool they said my name wrong that's awesome i mean that's great the name you think that's classic stuff i don't don't reveal on this show for no that'll be a privacy sure (laughs) If anyone listened, it'd be that that'd be worth it. That's for you know, it's for you guys to wonder about, yeah. for you to ponder, and us to know, us to know, and you yeah. never know. Exactly. Uh, now, if so, we were we had more forward thinking, we would have planned some a hundred themed, like a hundred, like the hundred days of school when you just do that in elementary school. We'd mm-hmm. plan some fun game, but we didn't because that's not. No, what I didn't we really, do. I didn't really think of that. No, I I I, I thought well, we could do something, and then I went. What, what did you do with that? I don't even remember now. I think we just were like, here's a hundred pencils. And it was the like, thing, yeah, yeah. The the thing you've said just sparked something within me, but <laughs> nothing specific. I can't. Yeah, just like, just like, oh yeah, that is a thing I did. But... That is a thing that happened. Hmm. And then eventually, I remember they like stopped doing it. I remember like, I remember like, oh, it's a hundred days of school. We do something, and my teacher was like, no, we're not doing anything. They're like in fourth grade now. We're not. Th- we don't do that. It's like, oh. And that- that that was the day your childhood died. <laughs> yeah, and then then that was a trend they continued for the rest of my life. Where they go, no, we don't do that anymore. You're you're no one. No one told you till just now, but that that stopped a while. That was ago. the end. That was the end. <laughs> you're a man growing now. <laughs> All right, go out there and kill something or whatever. It's like, huh? All right, man. It's tough, but you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and two hundred more. Now the the Carry thing with, well the thing with. Uh, this number is like as as fun it would be to do like a big thing. Uh, this is not too far away from like the year and aniv- the anniversary of the show starting, just because how math works. Yeah, because of because of <laughs> Cause years. 
because of years. Like, so did, in in the Julian in calendar, a, you know, or the in Gregorian. a month we'll be we'll be doing a two year celebration, and we'll probably well I say probably knowing us maybe we'll get something slapped together in time to make it somewhat special and unique. See, and the thing about that is that it's going to be like that forever because you know two hundred coincides pretty closely with you know four years and. And so on and so forth. Yeah. At the end but of they, time, but, but they'll keep getting further apart. That's true. That's that is very true. So if we again, go for because of math. episodes. Yeah. No, that's you've given me a lot to think about here. Oh, I'm so glad, but not too much because we're gonna have to tag right out of our two minutes of bullshit. Because this is into our into our hundred team topic. Yeah. Our hundred favorite uh, movies go <laughs> starting with number hundred. Uh, Venom. <laughs> Number That's high. That's way too high. Venom We've botched two. it already. Oh. oh, actually, you know what? I should pull up my letterbox and just count from the highest rated all the way down. Do you rate them all? I've rated every single movie. That's that's insane, Jack. I'm sorry. I must take a stand here. That's not okay. What? You cannot possibly rate them all. I've rated them all. You can't. You simply can't. You must I'll stop. Know. Take it back. I was almost just tell my letterbox, but I think it's more fun if no one knows. I ever think we should make one for the podcast. I think that'd be fun. Oh, okay. Well, we, we, we can talk about should have done that to begin with, but hey, buddy, mine is pretty <laughs> much the unofficial podcast one at this stage. That's true. You you keep pretty on top of things. I'm getting there. I just started mine. Right. Well, I see. just can't. How can you give accurate? Well, how can the thing, you give I, an accurate score without having seen it in a while? That's my thing. I go on what I remember, but that's insane, right? I mean, you can agree, you can understand where. Where I have hesitations with that, I can see, I can see your trepidation. I, I truly can, um, but I did it anyway. <laughs> I did that thing I always do, where you go, Jack. What about this good point I have about the thing you're doing? And I go, I hear you. I absolutely hear you, but I'm, I already did it. It's too late. It's done. Yeah. Well. Okay. Um, well, as long as we're okay. on the same page there. Fair yeah, so I got well, a little overview because we're doing this a little bit now. A uh, hundred out of I've seen according to Letterbox, I've seen six hundred movies, which pretty good. Which means, statistically speaking, I've seen more movies than. That is Zach not what has. that means. No, that just means well, you've wrote more in your letterbox than I have thus far. That's all that means. Don't get it twisted, there, Bucko. All right, whatever you want to say, a guy with less movies. <laughs> and out of those six hundred, um, the most I've scored are three stars out of five. So like a six out of ten at one hundred ninety-eight, because most movies are just kind of okay. Sure. And the least, probably four and a half. That's it. Oh no, I'm sorry. Two and a half, one and a half, thirteen. I was very confused what you were saying. How the least was four and a half. Okay, but what's the hundredth? What is this? What was the point of this? Oh, the point of this? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I remember why we were doing this. This I feel so terrible. <laughs> Let's see. Um, oh, I don't think you can rank them. I don't know how. Okay, four. So twenty five rows. Yeah, yeah twenty five rows. All right, twenty five. I got to the end. Okay, so according to this, my what top the hundredth movie according to me is Guardians three based on however they do this they because I've just organized them by top ranking which I wouldn't even have fascinating See, this isn't even accurate well because you can't arrange them because you just like give them the I don't know how it chooses which one gets put beyond is there the a number like you mean yeah if the numbers are the same which one goes first yeah yeah so you really you have a lot of- you have a bunch of ties in there is what you're saying. Because like the movie, the movies after the three movies that are above ninety eight, ninety nine, and ninety seven are mid nineties, Hangover, and Beetlejuice. All movies I'd put like like below Guardians. I'd rank Guardians much higher. But did you give it the same score? What? I did give it the same score. Well, then that's well. How was Letterboxd to know then? 
Well, they're not to know this. I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not, it's not a fault on letterbox. It's just a machine, Jack. It's simply it an doesn't, algorithm. It doesn't truly reflect. How can it know? If you give them the same score, how can it know that you rate one much more highly than the others without giving it the superior score? They should let me. You're mad, Jack. Here's the thing. They should let me rank. They should just let me do whatever I want on the app. They should just be like, here, rank 100 movies. Who you cares? Can. That's a thing you can do. Can. Oh, you, oh, where you make the list. You make the list. Jesus Christ. We should have done that. We should have done this. No, we didn't need to do that. The hundred is too many. We could there it is. The hundredth best movie of all time. A movie that came out last week. What a what good luck. Insert uh champagne bottle uh cork popping uh uh party like noisemakers like you know like the like the blowy ones. You get it. Yeah. It's a hundred. It's a hundred, baby. Yeah. Number one, parasite. Sure. That's actually you know I a lot of people I think pretty like that one. Yeah, that's good. That's that's solid. I was I was I was waiting for it to be something uh weird. It's just a, no, no, just just a very good movie that won a lot of Oscars. I think it's based on when I put the like score in. Like I think it goes mm, that could be because Parasite was, was one of the first ones that I like saw that like sh- it showed me. So I think that's what it was. Sure. All right. Well, in any we're case, done with this. We're done with this. Into nonsense. some actual topics, Jack. This week, yes, as we've done for many weeks prior, we saw a film at saw a film. at the movie theaters, if you can imagine it. And this week, it was. Uh, Charlie Day's uh, d- directorial and uh, uh, writing writer feature film writing debut. Yeah, yeah. I guess is there not a is there not a like a more snappy word for that? Just directorial First and writing. writing I time. guess yeah. his directorial and writing debut. Uh, Fool's Paradise. So yes, indeed. Well, what? So just a quick rundown. I guess it's a movie about a character whose name we never truly learn. Uh, portrayed as well by Charlie Day because he also stars. And in the very beginning of the movie, he's released out of a like some kind of like I don't know mental ward. I guess. I mean, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's he bears a striking resemblance to a famous movie star. And so Ray Liotta, who is a movie producer, picks him up to come play him on the set because the guy's being difficult. And that spirals his whole film career for this guy where he becomes an actor and all this and the whole time he never says a word and um yeah i don't know lots of you know cameos and fun appearances from other actors and things but um well jack at the end of the day i just gotta say i i didn't actually like it very much though i i would have to agree i would think that this movie wasn't very good um i like just kind of the nature of it, like it was never gonna be that good. I, uh, I think there's something to that, Jack. I, I, you can't just have like a passive protagonist who doesn't speak. So here's and the has thing. no concept. I, I was, you know, excited for this movie. Um, I think we both were. I gotta say, I think getting, you know, a big part of actually getting me there was truly just on the back of like it was Charlie Day, right? You know, anyone who's oh, listening for a while knows we're big, big Always Sunny fans. So I was willing to go see it just to support him again, especially because it's. You know, he's not just in it. Again, it is his directorial writing debut and everything. I thought it was cool. So, I was, so you know, go to see this one. Um, so, I wanted it to do well. And I don't, you know, bear any ill will towards the guy or anything. I would still very much like for him to succeed in, in the future and other stuff and whatnot. But, yeah, I just, this one didn't really do it for me. And I and I think there is something to that. That, like, maybe, I, I guess the, the kind of feeling I got is that, like, is this, is this premise itself kind of too thin? to make a whole movie out of like this. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And especially because of how he ends it, he doesn't stick the landing there. Were, I think there's a way 
to there's two ways to write the ending of this movie that I think kind of like save it, but the way he went with it, I think even more like hamstrings everything he's done because it's like why would you make it this way? Why does he not talk? Like he kind of he has to force all his characters to like be very caricature, which is the point. Yeah. But like it's like I don't know that Hollywood isn't like that really. That's like a really bygone era of Hollywood where they're like pictures come on that's the it's thing. like it's playing the old hollywood but they got the superhero movie. like he's doing he's got a lot of plates in the air and he's not really spinning all of them i think yeah i think it's a fair assessment i i like the idea of it um again at first like this idea of he's a sort of silent film star come to life right and mm. uh you know I do think, I will say one thing for sure, is that Charlie Day does a really good job of that, right? Like, he's doing a lot of face acting here in this one, which I think is impressive and, and well done and all. But, um, yeah, again, I just think it kind of wears thin. Like, I, it was getting some, you know, laughs and stuff out of me in the beginning, like the first 15 minutes or so, let's say. But after a certain point, it's just like, yeah, I get it. I, I think, you know, sort of whether you like it or not, at a certain point, you just kind of become like, numb to it almost turned off where it's like yeah i get it there he is he's on screen he's not talking he's just making a face and um at least for me i, I couldn't help but just kind of be like all right yeah whatever and you don't the, i don't think the whole way through i was fully you know appreciating whatever intricacies of his performance because yeah it's at, at some point it's just like i don't know if i care i guess if i if you get engaged oh, enough yeah. to this guy because i mean it, like you said he, he's like passive by definition i mean it's not just that he's silent right but it's just that he has seemingly like no agency of his own at all mm -hmm. uh, yeah for sure and like it's not even like he's like bumbling like uh woody allen before he married his stepdaughter and went to europe uh where he's like trying to get a word out and like is being misunderstood through the words he's saying uh -huh. is that he is he's mute i mean they, they say he's not technically mute but obviously he doesn't he speaks at the very end yeah spoilers yeah. And I rem I saw it with a bunch of people, and we were talking about it. And I like really tried to like the movie, and I was like, "No, there's got to be more." But at the end, I was like, "No, I only really like this movie because like I go, oh, and there's the guy I know, and I know that guy, and I know that guy, yeah. and I see them doing other things. Like, oh, there's Jason Bateman, and there's Jason said, there's Glenn Howerton, and there's Ken Jeong, and there's blah 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 blah." Because mm -hmm. if I didn't watch Sunny. I don't think I would have liked this movie at all. Yeah, that, it's the only I've seen Sonny. I'm like, oh, Charlie Day's doing this. And I listen to the Always Sunny podcast. So I know more. Like I've gotten kind of the inside scoop from the guy who's made this movie for like five years. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be this. But I always went in this movie. I'd be like, this sucks. Why did I go see this that's movie? That's the thing. Is that like I'm right there with you. Like I feel like I'm giving this, a, you know, I don't know, more chances. Like, like. I'm being, if anything, I'm more forgiving of this movie than I would be of any other movie, really. Like, no, I'm yeah. trying to say that, like, yeah, I really wanted to like this movie and also, yeah, was giving it more of the benefit of the doubt than I would to, you know, any other similar film. And even then, yeah, it came up like kind of wanting. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, like, I, I don't know what all it's trying to say. Like, yeah, is it supposed to be like, like a, like a satire of Hollywood? Cause it's like, yeah, does this reflect anything about modern Hollywood that like Charlie Day would have experienced to be like, haha, I'm going to make fun of this. Right. Like, I, I, I'm sure it is in just sense that like, there's a lot of like vain, vapid, like empty people in this. Right. Um, mm -hmm. there's something to that. I'm sure still, I'm sure that's still prevalent in any era. Yeah. But then, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they're kind of cliche in a lot of cases. 
Oh yeah, like you said, they're like like caricatures, right? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, this starlet character who's she who is um what's her name Kate Beckinsale? Mm -hmm. She's like yeah, again she's like all vapid and and kind of uh, shallow when it when it gets right down to it, right? She has all this like faux whatever you'd call it on top of it, where she's talking about like intellectual shit and and you know like actually I care you know I like you because you're different and all this. And you, and you are so like smart or whatever and thoughtful. And then I can see you cause you're, cause you are like silent that you've got, you've got a soul or whatever the fuck bullshit she's going on about. Right. Uh, but then when mm-hmm. Bush comes to shove, she doesn't really care. She just ends up with the guy. She was like making fun of in the beginning. I guess there's something there, but again, is that like a, a real like biting commentary on anything? Or is that just like a pretty standard, like sort of dynamic? Yeah, things that happen all the time. Like, it, but again, it's uh, like, is that unique to Hollywood? Even is that not just like a kind of common trope at this point? Uh, that's what I would think, uh, but I don't know. And also, like, I mean, it's a victim, but like on the obviously on the podcast, it's always any podcast. Three of them are just ga- like the obviously Glenn Howerton and Rob McElhenney are gassing up their their very close friend and business partner's movie because I mean they're not going to say their fr- their guy been working for twenty years. The movie he's been working on sucks. But then, like, that put another false expectation. They're like, oh, yeah, this movie's great. And, like, the scene that you're in, that Glenn is in, is so funny. And then you get to the scene. He says, like, five lines, and they're kind of funny. And then he's not in the movie again. Mm-hmm. Like, what? It's like, why? Why? Like, don't just don't do that. Just say it's good. Like, you don't have to, like, by doing this over-the-top stuff and really trying to sell it to me, You've like lost me. If I'm like, because if I'm already listening to the podcast, I'm already on board with whatever you guys are gonna do. I'm already gonna watch it, kind of. It's just like, and then like, yeah. They, we haven't we haven't get into it yet, or you mentioned it in passing, but um, Ken Jong is the, I guess, co lead or whatever. I mean, I, in mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, he ends up like, I think, commanding more of the presence really because he is talking the whole time, and mm-hmm. I think that's maybe another sort of, I, I don't know what if, know if I want to say misstep. I mean. I don't know. I guess I will just it's, say misstep. I don't know. I mean, I'm not yeah. a massive fan of his. Um, I'm, I'm not an anti-fan either. I just can't think of anything where I really feel strongly one or the other about him. But I think in this movie, he's, I don't know, just obnoxious, really. And, I, and obviously, that's intentional. I'm not saying that's like anything he, again, as an actor, did wrong. I think that's all true to what they were trying to go for. But I don't think it makes him very endearing as a character. Oh, no, not at all. He's just kind of like the worst. Yeah, he's really abrasive. And so when you have your two main characters where, as it turns out, the whole, I mean, I guess you can kind of see this coming, but especially at the end, as it you know very much turns out, the whole crux of this whole movie is like their relationship. And one of them doesn't talk at all. And then one of them is really obnoxious and not very likable. I, and doesn't stop talking. That's a weird dynamic for me to, at the end, to try to be like, oh, I'm so glad that they're like best friends together now. Because I just don't know if I yeah. care about either of them or what they end up doing at a certain yeah, point. Or believe him. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of the big thing is that I just don't know if the emotional payoff there was earned. No, yeah, not at all. When it's like, oh, like him saying that like he loves him, yeah. it's like, why? Why was that the line? Like, you know, and a whole thing is supposed to be a comedy, and like, especially because I mean, Sonny is all about like a lot of the jokes is like pulling the rug out from under you, like doing what you'd not expect. It's like. Him just being like, and we're friends, and actually we were friends the whole time, and you're the secret protagonist now. It's like, why was that the way this movie goes? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you it's- said, 
there is, you know, definitely a, a probably significant part of our enjoyment or lack of in this movie is wrapped up in our expectations in that, right? And I'm trying to be fair to not just come at it from like, well, I like Sunny. I was expecting it to be like Sunny, right? Yeah. That's not fair to anyone. But I, I still got to think that like it doesn't hold up regardless. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Um, it is very different in the terms of, and I, but I did expect that going in. I didn't expect it to be the same comedy. I mean, you can tell that from the trailer that it's got like a different thing going on. But I still don't think it executed incredibly well on what it was trying to do either. Yeah, like it's just it's yeah it's it gets a little too like ridiculous. Like I per like I'm obviously I'm not Tully Day, I'm not a screenwriter, but I feel like the way they end this movie. Is to just have him go back, like everyone high would be done with him, and he just moves on and goes back to like walking around, like just just have him be unaffected by everything because that's the whole point, mm-hmm. or have him just say no to like like not have it do like they have him sleep on that park bench, and I'm like, all right, is that going to be important? And it's not at all. It's like, well, why did he? Why did why did he go back there again? Why was that? A, why was that? A, why was that the one active goal he had? For to meet the homeless guy, like who was a former actor, common, a common. Um, yeah, I don't. You're kind of right. I didn't think of it like that, but that is one of the maybe the only active goal he has. Uh, the whole movie is to sleep on that park bench, and then he yeah, doesn't. I thought that'd be like he, he does. He, he does it, and he he accomplishes it, and the movie keeps going. Uh, I did like the John Malkovich scene. I was I was going to mention that next. So basically you know as it goes on and then his his film career falls off from under him but then yeah he saves common incidentally pretty much and he they give him the key to the city and then they're like you should run for political office and then he's like well he's not he doesn't do any of this again <laughs> but people on his behalf are like you're gonna run for political office this is gonna be your campaign it's this is your, your platform is gonna be um anti-corporation or whatever right and then it, i did i did think this was kind of funny in his the scene where the the mayor's limo or whoever he is, yeah, it's the mayor, I guess, who had just been courting him for political office, like pulls away, and then the new limo immediately pulls up, like like instantly, same frame, and uh, then he's like, "Get in, you gotta go." I, I did think that was kind of funny, uh, but then it, yeah, it takes him to to uh, this this bunker, the desert, and they go down into this bunker, and then John Malkovich and his brother, who I don't know, is it someone? I think it's someone. Uh, not yeah. important is there and then he gives them a big speech of like we got power and all this and who do you think you are and we actually run this it's all it's like a it's not even like it's literally like a, a freemasons thing right they have that on the wall oh yeah. so it's like a it's like an illuminati type scenario like actually don't you know we run society actually and it's all about money and then he goes into a big um launch well the whole thing I is just a monologue because neither the other characters in the scene talk <laughs> but um yeah he launches into a tirade about how it's all about power and and what everyone really wants is to um come basically yeah to jizz to to release their what does he say essence, essence or whatever like male essence or something he, no he says something like he says what does he say eject like yeah something like that the fluid maybe some fluid some john malkovichy thing he just he just does john malkovich yeah. for a whole scene he just does a quick rant about how it's yeah and he just gets weird with it and it's about because it's about every men would just want to come they just want to release their their jism or whatever and it's like okay um and then that's it that's the end, right? Yep. I thought that was very like strange you- that that like that's just nothing. That truly was just like slapdash on the end. There it was like we're gonna do this political thing. Why? What is it? Because that it, I feel like thing. I think that could have actually been an opportunity for like decent satire as well. Is if they actually, oh yeah, if this movie was structured a little differently and they got to that a little more quickly, and then they did 
more of a political thing of like he's running for office what's that like because i think there is some there's opportunity for yeah like genuine satire in like look it's a candidate who literally stands for nothing and they vote for him anyways right that could be funny mm-hmm. but they don't actually yeah it doesn't say anything. Everybody puts their own ideas. Yeah, around. they don't actually because that's kind of his thing as an actor too. Is that they're all like, mm. "Look, he's so smart and um, is so thoughtful about his roles." When it's obviously exactly the opposite. That is kind of funny, but they don't they don't actually just do that, and then it's just nothing. Nothing comes of it because yeah, at the end, he's just like running from them, right? And then yeah, that's when he meets Ken Jong again. He's just like, "Oh, let's just be together again." Because I love let's you. Be friends. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, is it supposed to? I guess that's the question. Is do you think the ending is actually supposed to just be genuine and like wholesome, or I think so, I, I, because like the way the music is. Yeah, I'm inclined to think so too. I guess. Yeah. But I suppose like it would almost be more interesting if it wasn't. If we were meant to understand that like it wasn't meant to just be good, like it was kind of weird right. and, and like. But I don't know. I I don't think the movie ever actually implies that. It really. doesn't build up enough of that no. to like get us there so i feel um, like we're just I, supposed to be like look they are good friends because it's again i don't know if i ever saw anything throughout to convince me of that yeah the, the whole point is that nobody is his friend because nobody actually knows who he is um obviously i thought i th- think the scene when i and uh ray Liotta, who's the late ray Liotta's in this um possibly one of his last screen roles um like brings this who later takes the moniker of Latte Pronto based on the thing that he says to get a coffee, um, brings him out to the actor he's replacing. And obviously, Charlie Day can't be both people at once. So they do a shot reverse shot. And it's so blatantly like, this is this shot and this is the other shot. And there's no overlap at all. So you can clearly tell they're shot differently. It felt very awkward and like very like this is shot on this day and then the next day we just did all the other ones listen freshman director jack cut him a little slack that's fair i mean i'm not, i can't i mean it, it, he is in the scene like he's he, he's the other character he's both characters yeah. so like there's only so much you can do so like i'm not like that the movie bad because the story did that for it um but yeah it's just i did like the when jason said is just telling ken jong's here to shut the fuck up He's like, can you leave? Shut up, man. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, that's that's all right. I guess that was fun. Uh, that was fun. I because again, I didn't. Like, yeah, I didn't like him that much. So <laughs> no, he was very annoying and just like wrong about everything. Yeah, no, no. I saw um again, however much weight you want to put into this, but as of earlier today, it had a nineteen percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a thirty-eight audience score. Which is that's really pretty poor. That's pretty awful. I gave it a, I gave it a six out of ten, three stars on Letterbox. That's way too high. So I was like, you just, I, no. I mean, from everything we've just said, terrible. From the thing you were just saying yeah. about most movies are a three, and this has got to be a below average movie. Surely, this is not just an average movie, if you ask me. You know what? You've convinced me. I'll teach you live on air. I gave it a two so, and a half, and I found that to be very generous. I was like, I, I might it, even be persuaded. I, I could be persuaded to do it lower. And again, that was purely out of like. For, for whatever loyalty I have for to Charlie Day for some reason, I, I'll give it. I'll give it a. I'll give it a two. <laughs> I think that's probably accurate. Yeah, and then I put my review. This is Amsterdam for people who watch comedies. It's <laughs> very good, Jack. Thank you. Is it doing numbers I'm, I'm, I'm or what? Actually, it, I got five likes on oh, it. Oh wow, Jack, you're really doing. Uh, you're so doing the letterbox thing now. Huh? It's doing numbers. I've never bothered say. to write one, but maybe I oughta. 
I just think it's funny to think of quirky little of ones. Of course. Like for Bo is Afraid, I wrote, I was afraid it would never end. <laughs> that movie was bad and you shouldn't watch it. Don't watch Bo is Afraid. It's not a good movie. That is good, Jack. That is witty. Right? That's the whole reason I got Litter Box because I'm sitting in the movie theater when I watch this movie <laughs> with my friend. And I thought of that and I'm like, well, I got to get Litter Box for this. I have to. I cannot that's just go. I, no, that's very good. That's very unbranded. Yeah, I like me. that. Um, saw someone Twitter say, saw it yesterday and I'm not surprised. Uh, parentheses. Not an unmitigated disaster, but undeniably rough. And I think that's fair. Um, mm. Someone said uh, they did reshoots before it could be distributed, if I remember correctly. I wonder how bad it was before. That's really interesting because, as you alluded to, um, this movie has been in like distribution production hell of some description for like five years or something absurd like that. Oh, yeah. Um, which I didn't realize because I, yeah, a lot of people were like putting, you know, Given a lot of lip service to like, look, it's one of Ray Liotta's last movie. They wasted one of his on that, but it's like they actually filmed this like in 2019 <laughs> or something. Ago. So yeah, it's it's not really uh, relevant. Yeah, Charlie Day has said that like he would work on it for a little bit and then have to go and do Sunny for like six months. So he'd like lose track on that and have to and he'd do movies. He'd have other work. And it's like that's fine, but like I don't know, man. Maybe. Maybe we're a different movie. Maybe maybe we stopped making silent movies for a reason. Yeah, I, I saw someone say that like maybe it would have actually been better if they committed to that, if they had shot it actually as a silent movie. But it would certainly be interesting, like unique. I think it would, yeah. And I, yeah. I don't know how much better it would be. It would certainly minimize um, Ken Jong's performance, which might have done stuff for me. But I definitely think there's a lot of the scenes where it's like, if you think about it, it's like, yeah, that could be, right? Yeah, just like some of the scenes with where it's just him and Adrian Brody, some of the scenes where it's just him and Kate Beckinsale, when it's like these little kind of like small, um, like lines, like like just little blurbs. I, I think that could kind of oh, work, yeah. actually. If you did the classic like title card thing, where it just comes up and it says the dialogue, and then I don't know, I think that could work. I also still think I I don't know this movie needed to be shorter somehow, which I don't I, I don't know maybe it's already pretty short. It was that's the thing. I mean, it's pretty tight for a feature film nowadays, but. Fuck, I don't know. I, I just it somehow needed to be shorter or longer. I, it's just yeah, clearly there's something wild with the editing or something in this movie. I would be very curious to know someday what it was supposed to be or look like or how that all worked. Um, because yeah, maybe there was something more to this, and this is just what it has ended up. I don't. Yeah, but again, I don't know if 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 you told me there was like an extra half hour that was left around, it's like I don't know if that could save it because I don't know if a two hour version of this is something I actually want either. So no, no. I just want better of it. <laughs> if we could, yeah. if we could replace it with a better movie that was an hour and fifteen long, I guess that's what I'm looking for. Can we do that? Maybe yeah, somehow, just a different movie. Just just <laughs> take the first hour fifteen minutes of Guardians three. <laughs> Let me watch that. I'll, I'll pay money. I'll pay you eight, 11 bucks for that. I don't care. I don't know. Again, I, I feel bad for ragging on it so hard, but I just don't think it was a good movie. Yeah. And I, I mean, and, and I want to say like, oh, it's not his fault, but I kind of think it is because I think the writing is a big part of why it's not good. So, yeah, I think I think he tried too much to be like, I'm going to do something think, different. It's like, all right, don't be that different, man. Well, yeah, I do kind of feel that like in terms again, as like a first out of the gate, this is a bit out there, isn't it? Yeah. Even if, even under like the best of circumstances, even, even executed better. I think this is a bit of a wild one to just, yeah, out the gate with. So 
I feel like he was fighting an uphill battle. And I guess if there's something that really spoke to him, I mean, if it's, if it's an idea he really had, that this is the movie that made him go, I want to make this movie more than I've ever wanted to make a movie before, right? Like, this is the movie that's going to actually make me, you know, make it. I, I guess there's something about it that he really did like, but I don't know. God, I, I can't see what it was. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. So, it's tough. Again, he's very good in it, acting-wise. I think he's doing a lot. But it's not enough to like save the whole thing. No, not by I, far. I went when I went to see it with a couple people of my friends, and my one friend who um, does like film stuff, like it's a cinema screen studies major. He said like it was shot very well, and he was like, "All the cinematography was very good. Every shot like follows the rule of three. Third. I did, yeah, I did think that. I know you're making fun of the one before, but I, I feel like it did have a certain style to it for sure. Yeah. So that's I good did, as well, I, did, I guess. I did like seeing all the sunny people, but that's because I like sunny. I'm like, oh, there's the guy who's built on the Liam McPoyle, and there's Cricket. Like, there's all the people I know. Again, though, sometimes it felt like, and I guess the more I think about it, the editing really is kind of weird in this movie, and it makes me wonder if stuff like that, like, so um, the guy who plays, uh, yeah, it's Cricket, right? Is there is like the pilot on their plane for their honeymoon or whatever? I feel like that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's kind of just happened. like just the editing was a kind of haphazard in that sex section where it's just like they're married and now they're on a plane. And I, I, I guess in the scene you determine they're going on, it, but it's just like, was this just a thing where you didn't you, you cut around this, but you kept this because it has the cricket cameo? And then it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I like you said, the, the Glenn Howerton cameo scene wasn't really anything. Um, I'm trying to think, I think Artemis and his wife, uh, Mary, what's her name, Mary Elizabeth Alice. Um, yeah. I'd actually like their characters and they were recurring. I think mm-hmm. they were fun, actually. I think that's some yeah. of the funnier stuff is they're like, um, makeup chair, and then the third guy that, yeah, the makeup chair people because we they they showed up like again throughout, they were like recurring and that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was probably the best one. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Oh, I did like the talk show a little bit. That was actually probably one of the better jokes too. Yeah, I, but again, I, that's I, in the trailer. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. But yeah, that's got um Jimmy Simpson there and uh, the guy who's uh, Bill Ponderosa or Young Sheldon's dad. Sure, that too. He is that. He is that. He is that. <laughs> what a what a dichotomy to play. Yeah, that really is. I never really thought of it like that. But when you said it just now, like that's a pretty stark contrast. I feel like uh-huh. it's funny. Bill Ponderosa's kids deal him coke, so. Mm, and uh, his kids just was smart, but both characters cheat on their wives. Is that a fact? <laughs> That's a fact because in like I guess in the Big Bang Theory, I know a guy who likes Young Sheldon. Um, uh, I guess Sheldon says that his father cheats on his mother and then has a heart attack and dies. So that means at some point, Young Sheldon they have to build to the point where his father cheats on his mother and then has a heart attack and dies. Yeah, I remember. F- yeah, what I remember from what I've seen of. Big Bang Theory. Sheldon's dad was, yeah, always talked about being like, I, like an asshole, basically. So I was surprised, yeah, when they made the show, and then he's like just in there and just being mostly normal. I don't know, not relevant to this. <laughs> no, not at all. But yeah, that was kind of fun. I did like that. I like when he like, yeah. And again, it's another thing like that's done well is when is the scenes where people think that they're like ascribing, uh. A tri- ascribing, what am I saying? Ascribing? That works, right? Ascribing, yeah. Meaning to the things he's doing um, that's not really there. So when he's like, he's just kind of being a goof and he's like actually knocking stuff over and they're like, ah, look, at he's a comedic genius. They're just like, you know, gut busting because he like kicks a table over accidentally with like good comic timing accidentally. I, uh, I think that's kind of fun. But again, I don't know. It's like 
I'm picking out a couple of scenes here in the whole thing, which are like, that was kind of funny. So I don't know. I don't even know. I, I guess after watching it, it's like, was it even supposed to be a comedy? What the fuck's this movie about? I just don't even get it. I, I don't know what it's trying to say. Maybe I'm too stupid, but I no, th- no. This time I won't. Maybe for the North one I can say I'm too stupid, or maybe for the Banshees of Inishire I'm too stupid. But not. I'm putting my foot down for Fool's Paradise. I def- God bless Charlie Day and the things that he's written, but I don't think he's writing fucking above my pay grade here. He writes Sunny. I get everything in Sunny. Nothing goes above my head in Sunny. And Sunny is smart as well. Sunny's smart, and we're smart. The smartest yeah, around. We are the smart. Pod, we have the. If podcast. there was something here, I would understand it. I would understand it, but it's just like I like Adrian Brody. I always like Adrian Brody. The thing, yeah, he's, he's great. Good. Yeah, he's great. But like, why did he not talk? Why didn't he just say no at the end? I feel like no, that would have been a great way to end the movie. Yeah, I think I honestly that yeah. After you said that, I was like, yeah, you're probably right. That would be. <laughs> yeah, just be like no, and then walk away, and then Ken Jong is like left despondent because he's a terrible person. I mean, I guess the thing is, like, I, I guess if I had to construct one, the meaning here is that he just needed, like, a friend. That's all. Yeah. Is that, like, yeah, he incidentally walks, you know, stumbles ass backwards into, like, fame and fortune and renown and politics and all this. And the only thing that he ever cared about was that he made a friend. But, again, I, that would work better if I thought they were actually friends. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, because uh, you saw that was going to happen, right? Yeah. In the well, very I'm, beginning, when the doctor's like, "Well, he could talk again if he formed a genuine connection with someone," and I'm like, "Okay, that's what this movie's going to be about." Yeah, and I guess it cool. was, but again, it wasn't convincing that he did form a connection with that guy. So, <laughs> and again, I never really liked him. So, mm-hmm. all right, on that, let's um, let's be done. Let's be I done. Uh, I want to talk about. I have a secret here. I have a surprise for everybody. <gasps> a secret. Um, I also saw another Sunny alums film this week. Being uh, Blackberry. Oh, you saw. I thought we we're gonna see Blackberry next week. Well, it came out this week, Jack. So that's when I saw it. I thought we we're gonna say we could do this too. next week if you'd like. I I thought we were. I was gonna see it next week for next week's show. It came out this week, Jack. I. How was I to know this? Didn't we I told you about? I was gonna. I told you I wanted to see Blackberry. Well, I, I mean, we don't have to I, talk about Blackberry. I can wait for you to see Blackberry. It wasn't gonna be very in depth. I was just gonna say better film. Better film. Much better. Well, hey, oh, hey, much hey, better film. Well, wait, you know, we could, you could say your little thoughts right now, then I could watch it. We'll talk about it on the show. Twofer. All right. Incredible. Um, Just a much better movie. That's all. I mean, it's so it's it's exactly what you'd expect. Again, it's one of those. I like saying this a lot. This is apparently one of my only uh, criticisms I'm able to deliver about a film. <laughs> but it's a it's like a tech, uh, I don't know, biopic thing. What do, what do you call yeah. these? You know, it's like a tech giant thing. It's like fucking social network. The social network. You get it. It's like the social network. And um. Yeah, I don't know. It was just pretty good. It was interesting. I mean, it's it, in the way that these all do. It bends the truth a little and in sections from from what I can glean from the like short pass of research I did after watching it yesterday. Um, but yeah, Glenn Arton's great. He um he's doing the dentist thing for a lot of it, right? Like mm-hmm. he's just like he's like rage filled and and prone to like outbursts. But he also is doing it a little bit less than the trailers might lead you to believe, okay. perhaps. Just because, like the one of the trailers in particular, I think is literally a supercut of every time he screams in the movie, <laughs> and so yeah. I feel like you see that and you're like, oh, he must have like you know thrice as much on screen, you know, it, it, throughout the movie as he does in this one supercut. But I think that is most of it, um, and it's to get, I think it's to hook the sunny kind of people, which is fine. Uh, Jay Baruchel 
or how do you say his name? He's also in it. He's the actual early other main lead guy. He's interesting too. I think he does an okay job. He's actually Canadian, which is uh, relevant. I don't know if you knew this. I didn't. Uh, Blackberry is Canadian, so that's kind of interesting. That. So he's there. He's doing his thing. Um, I think it does kind of a twist. I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, for, for the real-life story of Blackberry, but it kind of, um, they do kind of a, again, it is real life, so they didn't really write it this way. Well, they kind of did. I think they, they, I think they hammed it up for the, this particular angle that they wanted to, to do with this story, I guess, is, is mm-hmm. how I would say it went. Um, but he starts off as, he is the nerd kind of guy, right? And then Glenn Howerton is the business guy, right? You get it. So it's like, yeah. he's the ideas and he's like, I know how to actually run a business and, and I can do business stuff. And that's how they, that's how they build it. Right. You get it. Um, but then across the course of the movie, Jay Baruchel actually does get good at business himself until it's like a, you know, the student becomes the master kind of thing. Okay. And then at the end, he, he, he kind of screws him over business wise. Cause he gets so savvy with the business. Oh, he's now he's the shark. You get it. So that was kind of neat. Um, the other guy, uh, who's actually the writer director or no. Uh, yeah, I think he, I think he's the writer and director. I'll bring it up. The third kind of guy. He's cool as well. Um, hold on. I'll just bring it up here. Blackberry. Uh, Matt Johnson. He's the, uh, like I said, I think he, he definitely directed it. And then I think he also wrote it mm-hmm. or was a writer on it. You know how it goes. Yeah. Um, but he, he's also one of the main stars. So cool. Yeah, it is. He adapted it. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it's a base on a book. Uh, but yeah, pretty good for what it was. I would okay. say interesting stuff. I mean, we all know how Blackberry ends up because um, we don't need it. You've never seen one in your life, probably. <laughs> if you, at least not recently. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a certain, if you're of a certain age, maybe never, <laughs> or at least not in memory. So now, I also had a letterbox um, little review for this movie that in my head that I little joke one like both on of. Uh, this movie network for people who like obscure technology. Right, okay, okay. That's good. Okay, there's something to that. Although I don't know if a BlackBerry is obscure as much as it is like or outdated. Outdated. Maybe technology. yeah. Some so you need to say some way it's dead. But at the time, it was the biggest thing. That that's like what's so significant about this story in particular is the the scale of the rise and fall. Right. Mm. Is that they went from uh they and this this is literally just from the end end card right but it they went from 45 percent of the smartphone market to currently zero damn and that's like it's it's crazy right they fell off hard yeah right so yeah uh like i said just good it's an interesting story i liked it yeah sounds pretty good neato again it does all the stuff it does all the classic stuff um i was trying to think it, what else is like the social network there's um, got to be at least one that i've seen <laughs> oh like probably one of the steve jobs movies Oh yeah, Jobs. I think is I've the not two seen that exist. Yeah, there's those two Steve Jobs. The Ashton Kutcher and or or Michael Fassbender. Or Michael Fassbender. Yeah, which one's good? It's the Michael Fassbender one, probably Michael, right. Yeah, when Seth Rogen plays like not plays a real role and like is a good actor, crazy. In which one? In the Michael Fassbender one, he plays Steve okay. Wozniak. Oh, he does. Yeah, and there's like a cool scene where he like actually has isn't like a goofball and like a weed smoker or, or like a big cartoon donkey or donkey big cartoon gorilla Jeez. there you go i'm just gonna go with tech giant movies real quick and see if i got anything see if you got any pulled up social network of course right the invisible that's not really what i want the iron giant that's kind yeah, of steve jobs that's on here silicon valley but that's a tv show yeah that's more of a tv show i'm trying to th- maybe i'm literally just thinking of the social network maybe it's so on par that i just can't 
but I feel like there was at least, but uh, yeah, you get the whole idea. It's like, and then we did this to innovate and and then we did it and it works. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, when we made the prototype and it's, it's, you get it, it's like, and you're rooting for him. You're like, cool, go Blackberry. But again, we all know how it ends. Yeah. I pulled out, you pulled out your iPhone and reviewed it on letterbox at the end. Didn't I just Jack, I didn't pull yeah. out my Blackberry and review it. So no. there you go. So yeah, if you like the social network, it's like that. Oh yeah. I would say. Um, which is, I think, is a really good movie. I think the social networks, the image of it has soured recently, though, because um, actual real-life Mark Zuckerberg is such a goober. Such a dumbass. And it's kind of uh, dismantled the image that that movie presents of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's way cooler in <laughs> the social network than he is in real life. He absolutely is. And, and, and I mean, he's like, more of an asshole, maybe, too. Although, I mean, no, Mark Zuckerberg was like, it's, you know, He's a different kind of asshole, but he's not like a to your. He's just a weird goober who's like horrible and sinister behind the scenes kind of thing. Mm. More so than Jesse Eisenberg is in that movie where he's just like he'll be mean to your face or whatever. So <laughs> it's crazy that Jesse Eisenberg played the cool version of somebody. Isn't it just? He wasn't supposed to be though. Too. That's what I'm saying. Is that like yeah. we're supposed to be like ah, look at this kind of like somewhat antisocial weirdo. Um, but then again, you compare him to like actual mark zuckerberg and you're like this mark zuckerberg is just a loser <laughs> i wouldn't like talking to him i don't think <laughs> yeah I, it'd be terrible and also you've slowly to start to realize that actually wait mark zuckerberg didn't create anything everyone just created something for him and he was the guy smart enough to take it he well that is and, kind of the point of the movie yeah that's true but nobody thinks that nobody thinks the Who I, doesn't? No, I think that well hey i've seen the movie surely anyone who sees the movie thinks that well hold on I wouldn't say that. People watch American Psycho and get very different messaging. That's true. But do those people really watch American Psycho? No. Or is, or is there just like a whole subset of like internet culture where they just like the memes? That's possible. I think they might watch the movie and only like pay attention to the meme parts and go on their phone for the rest of it. <laughs> sure. And they go, oh, okay, you know, he's doing the thing with woman to phone. I yeah. Watch. Surely everyone who watches that movie is like, man, he really screwed over um, Army Hammer and Army Hammer. And um, what's his name? Oh, uh, and Andrew Spider-Man. Garfield. Yeah, yeah. That's what I took away from the movie. And you're like, Justin Timberlake was there and he was an ass. Just like you get it. Yeah. So, yeah, if you were, if you were a toss up this weekend or next weekend, whenever, you know, whenever you're listening to this, uh, between seeing, uh, Fool's Paradise and Blackberry and you decide you can only support one Always Sunny alum, my vote's got to go to Blackberry. Yeah. More agency, I'd say, in that movie. Oh yeah, I mean Glenn Howerton's there. Yeah, he's he's yelling and stuff sometimes. He's very present. <laughs> I am glad to hear that he like has more measure. Like he's not just screaming the whole time. Yeah, because like I remember they mentioned on the Sunny podcast, they're like they're Glenn. It's a uh, like they let Glenn Howerton do what he does best, and it's like I know what he does best, and that's yell. And I don't listen. Need... There's a ton of yelling. Don't get me wrong. And that's all right. There's a, there's a lot of yelling, but like I said, it is most of it's in the trailer. Yeah, and I mean, this kind of movie can have that kind of yelling. Like, there is one line in, yeah, again, that's his, I, I think that's accurate. I don't think they just, they reverse engineered this guy to be Glenn Howerton yelling, um, Dennis type character. Mm-hmm. I think it was more, you know, is is the, whatever, how you put that, chicken before the egg kind of thing, where, yeah. what is it, the heart before the court. Cart before the horse, I think is what I was. The heart before the course. The heart before the blah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they went. That's that's the type of guy that this real life person is. So Glenn Howerton would do it well. 
and he mm-hmm. does. There's yeah. one line in particular, I'll just spoil it. Again, it's in one of the trailers, though, where he says, um, I'm from Waterloo, where the fucking vampires live, or something like that. And I thought it would have more context in the movie, and it doesn't. So, <laughs> I, I don't know why Waterloo has vampires, but... <laughs> okay, because I remember that line, too. I go, what does that yeah. mean? Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know what it means. <laughs> Listen, I'll Google it right now. This is what we'll end it on. You ready? Okay, yeah. Waterloo van- vampires. Wait, what? Oh, maybe this is... Is it a reference to this? Hold on. Hold on. What was that? What was that from? It just says, um, Mango's crazy rips off shirt... Oh, hold on. (coughs) Mango's crazy rips off shirt during street interview. It just says crazy street interview. It's like a nine-year-old video. I guess it's... Is that just a viral video that I wasn't aware of? So maybe it's a reference to that? Why would you put that in your movie, though? About Blackberry. Yeah, I don't... I don't know why that... So water is a real place. That's where they... So maybe that I'm from Waterloo where the vampires hang out. I don't know. I don't, uh, I can't find anything else about it. So <laughs> I guess it's a reference to that. Was a big fan of that movie. And it was an improv. Well, yeah. Or that no, I, it's not a movie. I think it's literally just a, just a video. Yeah. So there you go. I'm, I'm left with more questions than answers. Truthfully. No, absolutely. So there you go. God bless. All right. You ready? Yeah, it's like a tech out. What do you want to do? You want to do visions or a, a guy's name? Let's do a guy's name. All right, let's do let's do Barry. There's most more to say about Barry than Dave. I'd say so. So yeah. Barry episode five, and mm-hmm. the title is some. You know how it goes. It's just some some line, something someone so, said in this episode. Fuck if I know. Fuck, I'll, I'll find it. Fuck my app won't load. It is uh, tricky legacies. There you go. On uh, this episode, so I remember last time, last episode of the show here, well, not this show, our show, to finally talk about last episode of Barry, I mentioned like, oh, this is going to be a time skip with Sally and their son, Sally and Barry being married, maybe, them having a son out in the middle of nowhere, desert wastes. Yeah, you were like, like, I think you asked if you thought, if I thought they were gonna, we were going to spend more time here or not. Yes. And I was like, oh, maybe, probably not though, but you fucking nailed it. You're dead yeah. on that on because we spend all the, the entirety of the time here i think it's there i think we're here now i think this is yeah. where we are yeah we just we've skipped we instead of in mind we've jumped we find out eight years in the future mm-hmm. it's been eight years since the end of episode four when Sally we gave. thought that was just and i think you and i talked about this before we started here i felt like kind of an idiot because i was like oh was it obvious and we just because i'm like I think the way I talked about it last week is I was assuming it was like one of the daydream type s- sequences we've seen throughout this show, which is yeah. very imagining a possible future kind of thing. Right. Um, but I think that's, I do think that they probably played up on that on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've done that so, so much in this show. I think maybe most people's reaction would be to think that probably, right? I, I would think that's say so, crazy. Yeah. So then you see that and you think, okay, this is one of those. And then, it was kind of a twist that no, this literally is just this, this time it's actually just happening. Um, and it's interesting because as it turns out compared to, uh, every other vision he ever had of his future together with Sally. Right. Um, this one's, uh, just kind of shitty. This one sucks. Cause of course it would. Cause it's it real. A, yeah. It's real. And you can't control people. Uh, so they live out on the lamb. They have different names. Uh, I think Barry goes by Clark. Clark. Yeah. Um, She's Emily. Emily and their son, his name is John. John. So they all live out in like the middle of nowhere desert and like a really, and just a house and they get all their stuff shipped them through Amazon. 
and Sally uh, wears like a wig, like a black haired wig and wears different makeup and he's a southern accent and works at a diner as a waitress just to make money and not attract too much attention. She'll steal from the counter. She's like an alcoholic. Uh, yeah, I called that last week, huh? Yeah, you did. Yeah, she's just, but she's just full blown. <laughs> full blown alcoholic. Chugging vodka and shit after work. Same with Barry, though. Barry's kind of like that, too. He's, he's drinking. Yeah, he's yeah, he is, probably. Well, I think I said that. I think maybe. But whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they just kind of live this, yeah, kind of shitty existence, really. And the, I guess the big thing is that they're fucking up their son. That's probably the, the biggest part of it. Oh, yeah. That kid is fucked. Like, so I think it's really interesting that, like, my biggest thing from last week and then going into here now, right? We mm. know why Barry would be into this, right? I think it's yeah. much more interesting to consider why Sally would be. And I, mm. we kind of talked about that, right? Like, why would she be on board with it? And it was a couple weeks ago, I was like, she has this opportunity with the acting thing, right? Being the acting coach, which seemingly could actually really be, yeah, big opportunity for her. But we saw last week that she just completely disengaged with that, wasn't into it because I guess it wasn't quick enough, basically. Yeah. Wasn't well, easy she was, enough. She was getting all the attention. She was trying to launch her own career, but it was clear that like she was never going to do that because she's been blacklisted. Potentially. Or even just maybe it could have, but it would have just taken more than no time at all. Yeah, <laughs> it would have taken at least more than a day. And I don't know. She just wasn't into that. So she just, yeah, goes on the lamb with Barry. And, um, you know, I think you said last week, right? The big part of their dynamic is basically that he's obsessed with her in love with her kind of thing. And she just enjoys that. Right. Yeah. And um, I think that's got to be a big part of it. Right. Where she's like, well. If I got nothing else, I got this guy who will like pine over me. So I'll just yeah. go on the run with him, I guess. And I think it's really interesting. The like you said, she's doing the accent and the wig and everything. Because at first, I just thought, I guess her hair is different, right? You can dye her hair and shit. Why wouldn't you if you're trying to hide? But I think there's something very deliberate about her wearing a wig and yeah. not dyeing her hair because it's a it's like a role for her, right? Yeah, she can get more into it she's doing like a performance every day like she gets to go out there and act and because that clearly is yeah like something innate to her personality that she's into that probably is like a if we're, if we're gonna get real psychoanalytical about it right oh yeah it's like she doesn't like who she is kind of thing and yeah she gets her this, home life yeah basically yeah between her parents and her ex-husband and all that like she's not probably not very proud of the person she is actually so she wants to be someone different oh for and, sure uh, we yeah we just see that play on a big way this episode we're just again i think she's the more fascinating well no barry's great too in, in this but i just thought that was really fascinating of like why would she do this she didn't have to right mm, she was yeah. very much not tied down in the same way that he was to all this she could have just as easily when he showed up at her house Called uh the yeah turned him in washed her hands of it so the fact that she would go through with it willingly at least at first is uh yeah really fascinating to me I, don't know. Yeah, very, I, I agree. Very interesting. Um, we see that like that one guy, one like line cooker ever is trying to hit on her and is like, I'm a jerk off to you, man. You're so hot. And she like kind of teaches him a lesson, like don't like chokes him out and gets kind of violent with him hmm. and like rats him out to like his, his grandfather or something. She's doing stuff with that. And um, so that, yeah, that's her. She's super interesting. Uh, and then Barry, he's kind of just like, ineffectual he doesn't do anything he's just kind of a goober he's just barry when um he can't do killing anymore and he's trying to get everybody to get on board with like the thing he wants to do 
like at the beginning of season two when Kusa doesn't want to do the show. He's like, guys, come on, we got to do the show. And everyone's like, well, no, Barry, I don't want to do this. This is stupid. It's like, no, we have to do this. Come on. That's kind of just like his energy. He's seemingly carried through these eight years where he's like teaching his son about Abe Lincoln and buying books about Abe Lincoln, watching videos about Abe Lincoln. Been like, you know, Abe Lincoln, he's got a lot. You know, you should be like Abe Lincoln, actually. It's like, what are you talking about, you idiot? Shut and up. then the next day, he's like, actually, Abe Lincoln did some bad things, so maybe not. And it's like, what? Yeah, what is this? Yeah, why are you doing this? Clearly lost it. I think so. Okay, a part of this has got to be that like they're afraid of him having any kind of public life at all, or at least he is, right? You think? Yeah, like, I think because yeah. he should be the much more famous of the pair. Um. So yeah, he just lives it. He just seems to like never really leave the house mostly, mm-hmm. and like they. He seems to be homeschooling their son to an extent. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely of a school age, that kid. So, yeah, it's weird. And he can't, like, he doesn't want to do anything with kids. Yeah. Like, his son, he, like, well, the beginning, obviously, he, like, fights that kid. And Barry's, like, apologize. And they apologize. And they don't like each other. And then they, like, you know, do as kids do. They, like, they, like, become friends. And they, like, play catch. And the one kid gives him, he's like, oh, keep the glove. You can, like, play, play with me. You should play. You know, brilliant, brilliant friends. It was a very sweet moment. And then Barry finds it, and they just start showing his son just videos of people dying in Little League, which is like, Jesus Christ, Insane. man. Like, I, see, this is weird, because I feel like this is an aside we've, like, seen of him before. I guess it's about something about having this son. But, yeah, the weird, like, paranoid sort of nature, I feel like, was never in him that we could see. Yeah, it feels, like, very akin to... Last season, when he's telling Sally he could like uh, mentally torture her like boss at the movie at the studio, mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is the only way I can think to handle the situation is to scare somebody, like make their make them physically fear this, not just like try to convince them or like redirect the energy, just to be like, nope, I'm gonna make you so afraid to leave this house, you'll never want to leave, and you can just stay here. Um, he won't, I don't, he won't buy a son a comforter. Yeah, I don't even know what that's supposed to be about, right? Like, yeah, that's it's just yeah, it's all these weird things. Like, cause so at the end of the last episode, when we see like, okay, he doesn't know Call of Duty. That I was like, okay, whatever, right? Um, that's one thing, and especially because Barry's a vet and all that. And I thought it was like a violence based thing, right? Which I was like, okay, I think there's something to that, perhaps. But yeah, when you're just like, he's he he won't let his son play baseball. Like, also, mind you, I don't know maybe the least like dangerous of all fucking sports you can get into pretty much like the lowest contact sport that exists <laughs> just yeah, about so it's maybe swimming or... yeah yeah okay this is a good one but so you could drown jack never forget oh, that's true the water has contact with your lungs and the watery depths the watery depths will be dragged below so i yeah it's insane again i just don't feel like i don't know where this came from i, I hope it's kind of explored maybe a little bit more where this mindset of his came from but yeah it's that was bizarre, and it, yeah, like you said, the this the scene with him and the and the other kid, it like from what we can tell at least, it seems all like genuine and wholesome. Like they're just trying to actually be friends, and then for him to be like, "You've got a you've got a baseball glove," I got to show you this video of this kid accidentally breaking his neck. Like that's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, is uh, it is it maybe truly just like wanting him to uh to be like all closed in as well, just from like a sort of practical perspective like well we just cannot be existing in public in any way yeah i think so i think like if they do baseball he doesn't want like any undue attention because there's gonna be expectations placed on him like how when they 
they get invited to that party. It's like, oh, I can't. We like we can't leave the house. But mm-hmm. like, I think I mean, any rational party, you probably, I mean, they could probably get away with it once. Like if they all just showed up and they were like, this is well, actually, who I am. If they actually just committed to it, I feel like that would make it easier, right? Mm-hmm. But they always live there, and like, yeah, because no one's gonna just think. Just, I mean, clearly, it's been enough time or whatever, and all that. Like, he can't. I mean, he, re- he interacts with their neighbor there, right? And they don't immediately go, "Oh, you're fucking Barry Berkman or whatever." So if he just actually integrated himself into the community, it probably would have worked by now. Mm-hmm. But probably but at this Barry. point, it's weirder to be like, no one's ever seen your seen your husband, right? And you had to concoct this fake story about uh, your mother in law, kind of thing, like. Yeah. That's yeah. Now it's like they're too deep. Yeah, we've never really seen your son. Yeah, bizarre, right? Mm. So I guess it makes me wonder if it's even if he's even officially homeschooled or if they just like don't bother, don't bother. Like, yeah, no one knows really he exists. Yeah, it's Barry says he's teaching them stuff, but like this is Barry. He probably can hardly. He probably doesn't know anything. Yeah. Um. So a couple other interesting things is they're Catholic now. Um. Yes. But again, that's another interesting thing right is that they're not they don't go to church they just watch it on tv um weird like really fascinating yeah, so just... this angle of it i read something bill Hader actually said about it this week um which is just straight up he said uh barry became a catholic because um he wants to feel like he's forgiven for all the bad things he's done without actually having to uh like, do, prison. do anything <laughs> right yeah and as someone asked him if it was a commentary on religion he was like uh nah <laughs> <laughs> just commentary on barry but I mean, kind of feels like it. No. Yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> I mean, if it fits, it fits. Like it Based walks like a duck. I just think it's fun. Hey, have you seen the way Bill Hader talks and stuff? Have oh, we yeah. talked about that? You and I, like the weird texts he has, and just the way he'll be like, I don't know. He just talks very strangely in, in his private life. Typically, he's an interesting dude. Um, but yeah, I thought that was fascinating. I, I mean, it's just funny. It, like that's, I mean, that's a joke, right? Like in and of itself, that's like a bit. To be like this very pointed thing you just said about religion is that a commentary on religion? Just be like, ah, uh, no, I'm not at all. Uh, don't even worry about it. I would, I wouldn't say so. Uh, but yeah, that's that's wild, right? You know, and like you said, all the Catholic stuff spread out, right? Or no? Did we mention that? I think we might when he is talking about the baseball or the comforter is what yes. I was thinking of, and he somehow pivots that into the Feeding fucking bread and fish. That doesn't even make sense, right? Like that's not it's, even well done. That's not applicable. <laughs> He's just an idiot. Yeah, he's just like, I guess I'll tell the story here. Again, yeah, he's not a, he really isn't a very, like, quick guy most of the time no, for anything that isn't uh, shooting people. Murder, violence, spectacular acts of violence. So, and he yeah. says, like, Dad, I'm cold in my room. And then he's like, ooh, my Abe Lincoln book. Now I can read this book about Abe Lincoln. Wilder. Yeah. Um, The other, inter- like, really interesting thing I thought this episode, right, was uh when his son learns about his uh military career right yeah and he starts um telling about that and it's just lies oh he tells him about the um oh the valley what's it called from season two yeah whatever it was whatever stood that awful story where he's like i saved him i saved those people's lives i'm a hero i was a medic not a sniper like the exact opposite of what he truly was it's just it's very interesting uh and then with the only time we cut away from barry i think is to go to the Warner Brothers a lot, and we see a familiar face of Gene Cousineau. Yes. Eight years in the future. Um, apparently, he went off the grid, and now he's back because they're making a biopic about um, Barry's life. 
about like the events that transpired like before the time skip and he wants to be a part of it. I guess he heard about it wherever he was hiding out. Yeah. And he's like, I got to hear about this. So I think that's interesting. The detail that like he's also been absent since then. What do you think that's about? I think he might just be like paranoid. Like, do you think that was like literal? Like he disappeared, like hit away or something after. Cause the last thing we see of him, right. Is when he accidentally shoots his own son. Mm-hmm. So however that plays out. I mean, we talked about it last week. We still don't even necessarily know if he'd lived or not. Technically. Like, he'd just be fucking dead. So like, was it full on like Barry on the lamb kind of thing? Or was it more so he disappeared from public life? Yeah. I guess I'm inclined to think the latter probably like he just decided I'm not going to be an actor or anything anymore, even though he was having that career resurgence kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I like I said, it could go either way, I guess. Very long hair. So I'm like, maybe I think that doesn't really narrow it down though. Sure. Yeah. He could just dive cut his hair for eight years. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, probably, I just wonder if his son actually died or if he just like doesn't talk to him anymore and just kind of like stayed in his own in the woods or yeah. like, just wherever he lived. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, and then after this, we cut to them and there's like a big bang on the door. Like, and Barry gets like a gun out. Uh, Sally gets, um, they get his son and hide in the bathtub and Barry like goes out to see what's going on. Nobody's out there when he gets to the door. Just a big empty black expanse, and he walks out into the darkness, and he just stands guard outside for the rest of the night, for seemingly hours, unmoving uh, to protect his family. Do you think it was like a ding dong dish thing, right? I thought I, you could hear like kids like giggling at one point. That's what I th- that's what I figured it was. Okay. It was just gonna be like kids, yeah. Not like anybody was gonna come get him. I think that's like what it was. He has to get all worked up and paranoid. Yeah, oh yeah. Which doesn't even make sense because like, who were they worried about? Like the police, you're gonna shoot your way out of the police or whatever. Like you're gonna get into a shootout, right? That doesn't mm-hmm. really feel practical. Jim Moss, like what? Or yeah, or like the mobster guys, maybe. I guess they would just show up to murder you, but I don't know. It seems weird. Mm-hmm. Like I guess it's not. I just don't think it's uh, really logical one way or the other. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then the the revelation, right? Is that they see that he's gonna uh, help consult or whatever on the on the movie about his life and he says i gotta kill kusuno <laughs> and uh, that's how this one ends oh yeah which is interesting uh i guess that forces barry back in the fray because there's only so much he's gonna do and he's useful at i also think insane right i mean of oh, course yeah. in classic barry format but i don't think that makes any sense like no, no. i don't see how that movie being made or not changes really anything about their current situation whereas uh, trying to go to LA and murdering him seems like it's got much more potential for <laughs> things to go wrong for them. So I mean, to blow up right in his fucking face. But again, that's I mean that's it's his very brand. on brand. Oh yeah, nothing he loves more than fucking everything up. So I don't know. Great episode, I would say. I really yeah. loved this. I did too. I think it's very interesting uh, to have like a mid-final season time skip. Yeah, yeah. A lot of shows would pull that off, especially a show with not a lot of time. Um, I wonder where Fuchs is at. Yeah, me too, yeah. If he's still around, because he's kind of sure that will be paid off. Episode. Yeah, I thought, I think it makes a lot of sense, in honestly, to a certain extent, because we were kind of like, where, where are they going with this rest of the season? How's this going to be? And I think this makes a lot of sense in terms of like, yeah, doing a lot of stuff relatively quickly in the in the back half here. This is yeah, like, it, yeah, dude, time skip. 
Yeah, it's, it's, he set everybody up because like Hank got set up as like a big deal, and so did Fuchs. So it's good if we can just skip and be like, and they eventually they rose to this position that they're in now. Which I assume they'll be like much higher, like in the Chechens and the prison, respectively. But we don't have to see like, oh, what's the event that made him rise again? Like, how did he do it? Who did he get first? Because it's unnecessary. We just gotta know where he ends up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very good. Um, excited for next week. Anything yeah. else to say? No, that's about it. All right, perfect. So then we can probably act take out of that into Star Wars Visions, I'd say. Season two. That's right. Uh, the second, it was on May the 4th. It was released again. Nine studios. Oh, excuse me. They get nine shorts uh, about different parts of the Star Wars universe. None of them are canon. Uh, and yeah, we got last time it was all Japanese anime studios. This time I think it's a, it's a wider range of people. Yes. Studios. Very international. Oh yeah. And uh yeah. It was pretty good. I liked it. I think so too. That's gonna I kinda figured just run them down uh one by one here and just we'll talk about like what we like, didn't like kind of thing. What do you mm-hmm. think? Alright, yeah, yeah. Alright, so the first one is called Sith. It's by El Guri Guri? Let's see. Fuck. Edit edit all that. I will remove all of the noise. What's it say? Oh, it says right here. El Giri. Okay. So, um, I'm trying to see if there's a bunch of, if I know anything else they've made, but they're like a, where are they, where are they located? I think I saw Brazil, maybe. That could just be wild speculation, though. Oh, no, it says Madrid, Spain. So there you go. It was. There you go. All right. So they're located out of Spain for this first one. So Sith. This is about, right? A former Sith apprentice who now doesn't want to do that. And she just wants to live her life and do paintings and shit. And then her master rolls up and is like, you don't get to do that because we're Sith. Yeah, so that's how it goes, big cat. And uh, they do some fighting, of course. Oh, yeah. We get some cool cool speeder bike with her little circular droid. We get a cool wheel-type deal. You get a fancy lightsaber. I kind of thought at first, I was like, I don't know how I feel about the wheel. But then I remembered that literally in episode three, General Grievous has a big wheel bike. So oh, yeah, he loves his wheel bike. I was like, oh, that's actually literally like pretty much exactly a design that they've already used. So no problem with that for me. Um, not as big of a fan of the lightsaber, but <laughs> it was yellow. I liked it. I'm, I go sucker for the color. We can get to that in a second. Yeah, well, um, so this one's got some, I guess, big thing like you like you alluded to there. Because they're all uh, different studios from, like, again, internationally, I think the animation styles are even more diverse in this one. Oh, than for sure. In the last one, which is cool. This one's got, like, a, again, because it is also about painting and art and stuff, it has this, like, painterly brushstroke thing going on with a lot of the mm-hmm. canvas stuff. kind of aesthetic. That's cool. I think so. Um, I like the general, like, story of this one, right? I mean, so the, obviously the recurring thing is going to be these are all, like, you know, storytelling and fast forward. Yeah. And I think some of them do it a little better than others in terms of hitting the beats they, they want. Um, this one's pretty good. Like, obviously, it's about, you know, choosing your own destiny kind of thing, which is, mm-hmm. you know, very enduring Star Wars theme. Um, It does kind of, I would say, and there's a couple like this, which it edges a little bit into, like, Grey Jedi kind of territory, right? Mm, yeah, for sure. I'm like, you need the dark and the light. And you know how I feel about that. So I think it's kind of iffy. Like at the end when she's got her lightsaber and basically the win- the way she wins is she, she like realizes like, oh, I'm both, right? And then she turns it on and it's got um, 
a red blade now too. I don't really like that personally. Yeah, I feel like you didn't need the red blade because it's been both yellow. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's not symbolic or whatever, but I don't. Yeah, it's weird to be like, look, I am still kind of evil, because that's what it. I mean, that's what that means to me. But yeah, I don't know. She gets him, and maybe we're all supposed to kind of wonder just a little bit, right? Because he tells her right as he dies, he's like, "Well, that means you're the Sith Master now, right?" Because that's how the rule yeah. two works. Yeah, you kill him. So you're the master now, like that's you. So mm. I don't know. I mean, she rejects him in that moment, but still, I feel like there's maybe a little bit of like, Ooh, you never know because otherwise, like, I mean, like you said, none of them are canon. Right. But I think most of them, you can kind of imagine where they fall into the canon. Yeah. So that's, that seems to be like, it's in the rule of two kind of era. And it's one of the things where it's like, well, the Sith continue on in some form. Right. So yeah. I don't know. Something has to happen there. Oh yeah. It's like, is she going to continue it or? Just interesting to kind of think about. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, that was fine. I think it's like about it. middle of the pack for me. I would say so. Uh, Screechers Reach is next. This is by Cartoon Saloon. They are, I believe, uh, Irish. Yep. Uh, let's see. I don't know any of that. They got a couple of Netflix movies I saw, which I might go peruse now. Um, they got Song of the Sea, uh, The Thief and the Cobbler. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. But... Oh wait, I'm sorry. The second feature was Song of the Sea. It was inspired by the Thief and the Cobbler. My bad. Um, they also... My Father's Dragon is a uh, Netflix film that they worked on, I guess. Uh, Wolf Walkers. I thought this is the one I was thinking of. And The Secret of Kells as well. That's from 2009. So they got a... They got a, you know... Pretty big catalog. Catalog here. Um, I really liked this one. Yeah, this one was... I, I liked it too. I liked The Witch. The Witch was very cool. It was very like it was probably the pretty scary. I mean, not like ooh, but like the oh, yeah. way they drew her, like how she was kind of like made of shadow, and like she would scream. The whole screen would kind of like be full of like speed lines and shaking. It was very intense. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, very loud and all that. Like you, yeah, it was. Uh, I think they conveyed that super well of like how overbearing and all it would be. Um, I think this is the thing I kind of alluded to with the last one, like potentially the best sort of like short form storytelling. Um, displayed of the whole bunch mm-hmm. in that within this, you know, whatever it was, about 15 minutes, um, I feel like it really hits the punches it kind of needs to. Oh, yeah. Gives you like a really interesting sort of twist and stuff. So basically, this one is that you got the kids, right? Um, that like then they dream of a better life, right? Another classic Star Wars kind of theme. Like we live, in, we work in like a sweatshop of some kind. We want to like, we want something more. And they go on a little adventure. They're like, we're going to go to Screechers Reach. But then they get there and it's spooky. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, which is it, Dal, Dal, what's her name? Yeah, I think Dal, whatever it is. Um, she is very determined to like get in there and do something. Um, and she's got this pendant necklace thing, which I don't know. Like, I feel like this was intentional kind of misdirect. I assumed it was like her, something to do with her family or something. Yeah. So did I. Yeah. Which again, I think is kind of intentional that you said, Oh, this is like to honor her parents or something. Um, cause what she's saying, she's like, I'm going to be strong. I'm in strength and wisdom and courage or whatever, like you or whatever. And you're like, okay, she's trying to live to her, like her family. Um, and they get there and it turns out that the witch is like some kind of Sith person situation. She's got a red lightsaber and all that, but, um, she's able to use the force, right. To mm-hmm. kill the ghost or the, the witch. She, whatever she is, the witch. And, uh, she, yeah, she smushes her with a rock, right. And c- kills her with her own lightsaber. She comes out and they're like, well, you did it cool. And you're like, all right, that's interesting. She's got, yeah. she, she beat her. I don't know what's that about. Like, 
I guess she she freed the the you know this place from her influence. Mm-hmm. That's cool, right? Because this is a Sith Lord. But it turns out the necklace was actually some kind of communicator thing to someone. Who, other Sith Lord. Yeah, to a, an individual who turns out to be another Sith Lord. She was doing it all at her behest. And she's like, now you get to come with me and, and leave this place and come hang out and get trained. And you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was like, oh, dear. And she's like, well, I got to go. It's everything I ever wanted. And they're all just like, yeah. Or at least her one friend, the, the bigger guys, like, yeah, you do. And you and they don't know, right? None of them know the, what this really means or the full extent of it. But obviously, as the audience, we do. And you're just like, oh, no. Yeah, this is bad. This is going to go terribly for her. As soon as they get on that ship, yeah. things are going to change. So I thought that was really good. I like this one a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely uh, up there is the best. Just like, again, that short form of just like, she wants a better life and, and all this. And then, but then the twist of like, yeah, she was, she didn't do it to stop them. She did it to become one of them, basically. She's, mm. she's the better Sith now. So that's, that's wild. Yeah. So now she gets to be the new one. And uh, yeah, she got to leave her friends behind to become a Sith Lord, <laughs> which is not like a super, super cool fun thing to happen. Yeah. So there you go. Um, next one is in the in the stars. This one I thought uh, also really good. So this was by let's see, give it a quick goo. It's Punk Robot. This is the one with the two sisters, right? The two sisters. Yep. I don't know why some of those with just like the little kid doesn't listen and just kind of goes out and I'm like Ooh. very much so. There's actually another one of those later as well. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, another one? Ooh. Uh, so these guys are out of Chile. Um, I, but yeah, I, I did think this one was very good, though, I gotta say. Um, this has like a bit of a, uh, what would you call it? Like claymation style, almost? Yeah. And one of the later ones as well, but I don't know if either of them are... Technically claymation. Yeah. I feel like they're probably not, right? They're just... They just kind of look like that? Yeah, probably. That, surely, right? Um, but yeah, cool. It looks really good, and it's got that look down very well. Um, I try, I think I tried to look into this one after I saw it, and I couldn't find any. I'm just going to Google Claymation real quick. Oh, no, it is. It is. Or it says it combines, at least. Combines stop-motion animation with CGI for Star Wars Visions Volume 2. No, oh, there you go. Easy enough, then. All right, there you go. Cool. Okay, so yeah, this one is um, of the three, or the two prior. It's the most, like, firmly established in the universe i would say right so it's just very much during the em- empire um the empire rolls up to these girls planet and they do a genocide as they're uh want to do want and steal the water and poison everything else and ruin the whole planet because that's what the empire does and uh, they're like we should fight back and the older sister's like cautious and like well no we're just gonna die so we just shouldn't and the younger sister of course is full of hope and spirit and she's like we should do it and um they both got the force and they do it they take the water out and they save themselves and they restore their planet a little bit. And it works. And the Empire never comes back and leave that planet alone forever. Hey, hopefully. come on. Probably. Gotta and their, all their friends and their mother um, became stars and now they can see the stars again. And all like the paint they do can be lit up. Yeah. yeah. Thing. I thought this one was nice. Yeah, I do. I like I the style. I thought it was yeah, interesting. Yeah. And again, this is pretty standard sort of stuff. I like their whole um, culture, their whole little civilization they had going on, and um, yeah, it really sucks. Like, I, I really felt the weight. I feel like of like, oh, the empire just did a genocide again on these people. Something about that really worked for me. I don't know, oh, yeah. right? Again, even just in this short form, maybe it's the 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 
drawing that she does where you're just like oh i really do feel for these people and like this is like truly is really tragic that this you know this people in the society was like smush because that's what the empire is all about right so you know that uh that sort of theme being iterated on always works for me um, it's a powerful theme for sure yeah yeah and then they uh you know they do it because they you know together and they love each other and all that and the force all good classic stuff Absolutely, you can't go wrong with this in Star Wars. And like, you know, like always being in tune with nature and the Force and all is better than just being a big army with, you know, walkers and shit. Because all it took was the water, Jack. And the water saves them. Water so, washed them away. Yeah. I think, I think that's cool. Absolutely. So good. Again, yeah, this one maybe had one of my favorite animation of the bunch. So, looks really nice. Absolutely. Um. Okay, four is I Am Your Mother, which is more of a uh, tongue-in-cheek kind of one, right? A little bit more. In the Wallace fun. and Gromit claymation style. Yes. Right. Yeah. I think it's by. The, I think it's literally them, right? Yeah, I think it is literally them. Um. So this one was fun. It's called. They're called Ardman Animations. Uh. Yeah. Again, this one was kind of like less uh, lower stakes, I guess. It's a good way to oh, put it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's the what is it? Wex. What is it? Wedge. Wedge Antilles. His racing is flight academy. Who's that, Jack? You know who that is? He's a pilot. What did he do? What's, he, why is he notable? Doesn't he die? No, he doesn't die. Oh, his claim to fame is that he never died. Oh, he did huh. all. He survived all three of the battles in the original trilogy, and he's in the Rise of Skywalker too. Actually, who's the one that they kill? Snap Wexley. Snap Wexley. That's his stepson. Oh dear. Yeah, Wedge marries that guy's de- uh, mom. Huh. Yep. 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 Wedge Antilles is a character when we did our ranking of all the Star Wars characters in that list thing I found. You didn't know who he was, and you never bothered to ask. I never. I because he wasn't a lightsaber user. Mm-hmm. He's not a force user. He's not the best character. But um, this is one of the ones where it's like you know, it's again, it is kind of tongue in cheek, and they make they make him this weird like uh, I don't know, like grifter almost. Yeah, he wants to sell all this stuff. He's just like giving all this money off weird merchant stuff, but uh. The idea of Wedge Antilles running a flight school—that is accurate to canon. Is oh, that after the original trilogy, he set up a flight school and was was training the New Republic's fighter pilots, um, like Snap Wexley and Poe Dameron. So that's cool. I don't think he was selling T-shirts though. But that's all right. This one's just a kind of nice, nice one, right? It's about a uh, parent. Uh, yeah, parents. Believe right? in your mom. Love your love your parents. And I like the uh, the Archer Two Dog Droid with the dog ears. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just a good. I like the style. I like the Wookiees mm-hmm. in there. A lot, of, a lot of the nice details I like. Yeah, yeah, really good. Again, this is, this is pretty low stakes, I guess. It's just like they're doing a family race, and she's embarrassed by her mom. But um, don't be embarrassed by your parents. You know, they just love you, and she appreciates her in the end, and they do it, and that's why they win because of the power of love, power of love, deep love. That's all right. I think. Oh, absolutely. It's powerful. It's palpable. Uh, all right. Five. Journey of the Dark Head. This one is by Studio Mur, which is actually South Korean. Um, but they, what do you, what do you call? It? Is there a name for it, Jack? Because it's not anime. Are you not supposed South- to call it anime? Um, don't know if South Korean animation has a specific name. I will check right now. I just know there's like a, you know, there's obviously like an, an entwinedness to that all, where they do have independent stuff, but it also is obviously they influence one another very heavily. It says, um. South Korean animation or Ani, where it's A E N I. So I guess that's uh, hand drawn or video animation originated from South Korea. 
So that, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like how anim- anime just means animation in Japanese, right? So yeah, it does. It technically shouldn't be relegated to anything in particular. Mm-hmm. Like it's just we associate certain things. But um, this is probably the most like stereotypical anime one of them all, right? In that sense. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe of the ones they did. I mean, I haven't watched all the ones from the first one again, but um, this one had a lot of like the tropes and stuff that I personally don't actually find super <laughs> endearing in anime. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the all the uh, all the excessive like uh, what would you even call them? The weird grunts and moans everyone does. Yeah, like gasp and everything. Every sentence and stuff is punctuated by like oh uh, 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 yeah that gets a little old for me but um i did like this the general story of this one though i will say i thought it was kind of an interesting premise so it's that um during a one of the wars between the jedi and the sith basically it doesn't really matter uh there's like this planet where these like this order of i don't know like monk type individuals um can tell prophecies and stuff but they don't make any use of it you're they they don't influence right is the idea Mm -hmm. and one of these people grows up and then she decides we could use this to um try to win the war and beat the sith and her theory is that basically the what is it the rain runs down these statues and that's why they are prophetic so if we destroy the statue maybe we can change the prophecies kind of thing Mm -hmm. so we're going to go to this planet and destroy this um evil head and that's how we're going to do it and she gets teamed up with a jedi apprentice who's got his own thing going on because he, uh, his whole, his master and like all his teachers and stuff were killed by Sith during the war. And he was like the sole survivor of his, his thing. And that's fucked him up. And they go to do this mission together. And they both, they both learn some things, don't they? All the gross people. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of cool. I mm-hmm. like the lightsaber fighting in this one. Mm-hmm. Pretty good stuff. Give it of a Jedi resolving his trauma. That's good. That's one of my favorite things. And he's like, I have inner peace now and I'll do it. And he did. And that's dope. Killed that Sith real good with the Sith whip. He does, yeah. He killed the Sith, and it's like that's all right because those guys are uh, meanies, so you, you're allowed to Fuck still be in inner peace. Um, although I did think it was a little bit unsatisfying when he does resolve the trauma because he's just like, I know why the Council sent me here to kill this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> now that's what I'm gonna do. Like, what What have you been trying this whole time to do? <laughs> kind of hang out with them, reason with them. Uh, that's fine. And then the uh, this is another one where uh, where I was alluding to earlier where. It, edges into the gray Jedi kind of territory, right? Where it's like, oh, the Jedi, or the, the dark and the light are the same. I don't know if I like that necessarily. It's like, oh, look at their tie, Jack. They're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, they're, they're swapping back and forth. Uh, I don't know about that. That's not really how it is, but... Maybe they're getting there. They've been using a lot. That's fine, I guess. Fine. But then at the end, they're like, we're going to keep doing adventures together, probably. And that's always fun. Yeah. Set up our future adventures hopefully they don't die horrible deaths mm-hmm. okay uh next one the spy dancer oh this one i like this one. this one was good i like this one a lot as well this is a uh, french one studio la cachette i'm gonna say um so this one is as as the title alludes to it's you know it's a pretty cut and dry title i appreciate that oh yeah uh this uh woman who works as a dancer but is also a spy for the rebellion um, because there's a bunch of Imperials who frequent their show, and so they get to spy on them. And the additional wrinkle is that she's particularly um, sort of determined against the Empire because they took her son, killed him or whatever. It's yeah, unknown not, at first. Yeah, she doesn't know. 
and during the final show where the the last one before they're gonna get out you know the one last show because it's of course classic um she sees who she thinks to be the guy who took her son and she torpedoes the whole thing because she's like uh decides to like take revenge right and we spiral from there and this one's got one of the classic sort of like twists of it too which is like oh, you're my son uh which is fine i guess there's a couple things i think are weird of this in terms yeah. of like strict star wars logic but that's fine mm -hmm. again that's not, not really the story yeah it's not really the place for it right um, not at all. but yeah i thought it was kind of neat i like the idea of it a lot um i especially think it works well for um the french studio right i'm sure this is why they did it is because it identifies with them right this idea of like we're occupied right but we're resisting like doing like partisan stuff but on the dl right yeah we're like we're getting things done it's very it, i don't know it feels very much uh like world war ii um oh yeah for sure france right like yeah we're doing resistance stuff we're like we'll fight you but also like i'll just we'll get all these nazi officers in this club and we'll just dance and we'll just lure them in right with like mm. this false sense of security kind of thing it is very much that and i i did think that was neat um and then i the action in this was cool i thought when they do decide to like go all out and they're just fighting and she's using her stuff again it's a bit much maybe like why is she able to fly with her yeah she can like kind of throw things very far and like recover very quickly like they're prehensile which is oh, kind of yeah. weird but that's fine i thought it was cool i like the kx droid i think that was a cool reference oh yeah inclusion really it. was it they're being real mean this episode they're all mean oh yeah not a single good they're mean one. in the video game and anyone who isn't k2so is like he's a meanie even K2SO is not like super soft. No, not really. There's that one that choke slams Cassian and Andor, you know, whatever oh, yeah. he does to him. They, they fuck him up. They do terrible things to him. But yeah, this one's cool. Um, this, is no, this is one where, like, I feel like a couple of the ones from the last season had this where it presents like it's part of a, you know, larger, larger story. Because mm -hmm. it's like this is just the beginning because it's, you know, the reveal at the end is that she is his, or he is her son, and they've. The, the imperial guy took him and raised him as his own and chopped his horns off whenever to to you know hide that fact and that's why he's got the eye patch right it's because he has a yeah mismatch color eye the rest of them um so that's that's interesting but again i don't i don't know i mean i guess that's cool i don't know it it is a little cliche i gotta say it's just a tad bit but that's fine i suppose what are you gonna do about it mm. um yeah like i said I, I i did like this one quite a bit though in general uh, seven. We got the Bandits of Golak. So this one is uh, we'll say it's by studio. yes, eighty-eight pictures. I think they're in at least. I don't know. I don't know why some of these guys have existing Wikipedia <laughs> pages and some of them don't. That's annoying so, to me. Yeah, they are Indian. Uh, famous enough for the Wikipedia pages, some of them. I guess not. The only one so far, I guess, was Ardman's. Oh no, I mean, Cartoon Saloon, Ardman, and Studio Murr all got their own. No one else though. Um, yeah. So yeah, this one is we're on the a planet. I think is it go no Golak's the city. Yeah, I don't know what the planet is, but I whatever. This is how the planet is. It's not relevant. We're on a planet, yeah. and it's during the Galactic Civil War, the Empire's about, and we got these two refugee kids whose family seemingly has been killed, and the little sister is force sensitive. And once again, little kid doesn't listen. Uses force powers, gets him in trouble. She she, she like. Reckless abandon this one. Yeah, she's like, I gotta get the, I wanna play this flute, so I have to take it from you. It's like, just wait till it gets back. Indeed. But they, uh, 
basically she yeah she inadvertently reveals her force powers and they get reported um i liked the guys who attack the train in this one that oh, yeah. was super cool to me um i love when star wars is horses for one thing big fan oh, yeah, of that star wars horse is great can't go wrong with the mount yeah and there's clearly some like world war one kind of vibes in this i feel right like the um native uh insurgents right attacking a train that's like very lawrence of arabia to me yeah or avatar 2 sure or avatar 2 just like it um so that's neat and the animation style in this one i felt was really similar to like existing uh you know the the stuff that they use for the actual shows right oh like yeah bad sure. clone wars stuff yeah clone wars kind of stuff so that's neat as well um but then as a result of their kind of getting caught on to uh an inquisitor rolls up and is like you're force sensitive are you and they get to the city they're trying to get to and again she's just using it with reckless abandon so you know for sure they're gonna find her oh yeah they, do. We get they always do these inquisitors so good he's real good at inquisiting i guess um although not that good no no we don't know who this guy is this, this is a new guy i mean he's not canon Ooh, but very good that's so not cool. one i recognize that's neat um so they roll up but it turns out the old lady right in the village there is a surviving jedi and uh Another surviving Jedi? Oh my goodness. Don't worry, don't even worry about it. That's why the Inquisitor exists. Like, this is literally the perfect example why it's okay. Because it's like, look it. Here's a guy to fight her. That's why they both exist. Yeah, and the killer. <laughs> so they, you're right but he doesn't, does he? They have a cool fight. I think it was a really good fight, actually. I yeah, know. I liked it. They both have double lightsabers. Remind me a lot of the Season 7 Clone Wars stuff, which is good. That's like a really good compliment for animated lightsaber fights. Um... And then at the end, they got to do the hard thing, and she's like, she's got to come with me to learn how to be a Jedi or whatever, because it's the only way we should be safe. And they're like, all right, good luck. See ya. Mm-hmm. And she does. Good luck and, and have fun. She, she gets, and he gets the flute. So that's kind of nice. I mean, like, you know, yeah. hopeful enough in the sense that, like, you can imagine they are able to have a better life during better times, right? When the Empire falls and all. But a bittersweet kind of ending to this one. Mm-hmm. So I think it looks good. This is another one where I feel like it's pretty straight up. In terms of just like this is a good Star Wars thing, right? It's like the um, in the Star Wars one, where it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's actually really similar. That's like siblings fighting the Empire kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I guess there's just less successful, but large scale. But they have their, you know, they have their small victory. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what it's all about. Oh yeah, you can't always go for the big guns. It's all ones that can keep things going. All right, next one, the pit. This one. Probably my least favorite of the bunch, I gotta say. Yeah, it wasn't. It was kind of... the anim- I don't love the animation style. And it seemed to kind of just begin and end. It was like, oh, okay, that's it. Uh, that's that's my big thing with it. Um, it felt the least Star Wars-y to me, to be honest with you. If that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, this one was by... I'm not going to be able to say this. Dart... Um, Shai... How do you see? I don't know how to pronounce these words, Jay. They're tough, man. Do your best. I probably can't pronounce them any better than you, these foreign languages. I don't know if I should say the T. <laughs> I'm going to say Shai Geo is all I'm going to go with. Good good move. Um, So they're they're an actual Japanese one as well. Or I guess they're the only one we've... Yeah, th- thus far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think... Proper anime. Um, Let's go. So a group of Imperial slaves, uh, they just dig a big hole. <laughs> they make them dig a big hole because there's Kyber in there. And they get more kyber and they dig the hole, right? And they keep oh, yeah. going until they get to the bottom. They leave of, them there. I don't know. They hit like 
I don't know, I guess like bedrock and they literally can't get through anyone. They're like, all right, good enough. And then the stormtroopers up and leave. Um, I did think this was interesting. It's like a premise, right? It seemed like something suitably um, horrific for the empire to do for no good reason. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just being awful. Uh, so I think that all checks out. But pretty much everything past that, I feel like it's just kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them decides to escape, right? Or he's going to climb out and, and get them help from a, the nearby city that they've heard of. Um, and so he makes the solo climb. He does it. He's David Diggs, I think. Yeah, he is. Um, and he does it. But then the stormtroopers there in the city are like, what the fuck's your deal? And so they just drag him back to the pit and throw him in, which is pretty horrific as well. Oh, yeah, he just falls to his death and dies. And they go, well, no hope now. It's clearly like very intentional because it's not just we're just going to shoot him. It's like we're going to take him all the way out here so that we can throw him in, right? Which is like a really scary way to die, I feel like. I just kept thinking, like, I remember as it was happening, I'm like, wait, is there something around this? Like, is there some way? Because it just, yeah, such a powerless thing of just like two guys overpower you and then throw you in a deep hole where you know you're going to die, like to your death. Yeah, like, that's it's not, no one to save you last minute. Like, this is just the end of your life. Horrifying. Um, oh, yeah. And then also, it obviously leaves a message. Like, hey, you see this dead, you know, ruined person at the bottom here? This is what happens if you try to get out. So, yeah, suitably awful. Uh, and then we have the other character who is, is it Livy? I think it's this. Or no, it's Eureka. Yeah. I don't know. One of these other characters. Well, in here. The little girl, she's like, oh, no, we can do it. Oh, no, it is Livy. Um, so she's living up to his, his motto, which was like, people should follow the light. And then they sing yeah. it so loud that... Um, they hear them in the city and they all march over and they let them free. Yeah. They try to Which, shoot all, they try to shoot the citizens away but they overpower them. They walk right by them. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, they save them. Which is nice. But I don't know, I just felt like there wasn't much to this one. I agree. Not not didn't feel too Star Wars-y. Yeah, like I get that, you know, stormtroopers but and even carbon crystals, but somehow it just felt like it was just kind of incidental to the actual plot, I guess is the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you could easily change those details to anything else, and it would still pretty much work one to one, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Say so those were, you know, insert generic fantasy thing, or even just I don't know, like humans doing it, to, like on Earth, right? Yeah, Making each other. other. That's a thing that unfortunately happens here. So you don't need the stormtroopers to do it, and then yeah, just replace the kyber crystals with gold or something. It still almost works. So I guess there's just not enough to it, maybe. At the end, she mm-hmm. just realized she has the force sort of her, right? So that's cool. Yeah, we get one little taste of it, and then that's kind of it. Um, the f- last one is Aua's song. Um, this one I actually really liked as well. Uh, yeah, I like the style of it. This one's by Triggerfish, which is South African. So that's fun. Um, yeah, this is another one where, let's see, is it like actually claymation or, or some kind of physical-based thing? Or does it just look... Because it, it, they, um, they all look like they're made of something, right? Yeah, I was like, and they're made of like cloth and felt. Yeah, like felt, little felty, like, uh, like plush, plushy guys and stuff, and oh, different yeah. different materials. Now this says they were stop motion, and now they're not. They're computer huh. animation, which I think it does look. You can tell, I think, right? But they clearly yeah, are. Like, they move that, in like that aesthetic, right? And that's cool. Mm-hmm. It does look really cool. So this one is just um, there's this planet where there's a ton of kyber as well. Kyber again. We've had quite a bit of that. Um, and the Kyber, the whole planet worth of Kyber has been corrupted, right? By, By the Sith. Sith. Which checks out more or less with what we understand about that, right? Is that the Sith, if so determined, can um, 
basically pour enough dark energy, dark side energy and, and malice into it to ruin the crystals, to bleed them and, and make them all red and corrupted, right? Yeah, ruin it for um, everyone else. Because technically the crystals are alive or whatever, so you make them like evil. It's, it's you know, you get it. It's all thing. Um, so they're evil now. The crystals are. <laughs> but they did it for the whole planet. So there's like these big deposits of it that are all ruined. And so the Jedi come um, and, you know, it's kind of routinely fix little chunks of it, right? They mine chunks of it and then they purify it, which is a, also a thing we know they can do, um, you know, like Ahsoka style. Oh, yeah. And that's and that's the thing that got set up. But we have this girl there and her dad. And her dad's a miner, and she's got this singing ability, right? Uh, but it's, it's kind of seems to have a, a unpredictable effects on the crystals. Yeah, it seems to amplify their effects. Uh, but uh, over the course of this one, you know, hijinks and adventures ensue, and eventually she does she does the sing, and she actually fixes it all because she knows the right thing to sing. I guess at the end, right? Yeah, she resonates with them enough. She she, she gets it. So instead of making them clash she actually heals heals them all yeah and then uh, a jedi is there because she's like to oversee the kyber mining and stuff and she's like yeah you know your power is pretty good but you have to leave to train it like a lot of these things Gotta come, um, be a jedi. come be a jedi and uh she goes she's, they, yeah dad's like you gotta do it kiddo or whatever you gotta make, gotta make us all proud we'll be a jedi and she does um i really like the idea of like the singing being a you know manifestation of force ability i think that's cool um i i like those corners of the star wars universe where they explore the idea that like there's other ways to interpret and use and understand the force outside of the main two that we always have seen right which is like jedi and sith which admittedly are more or less um at least visually right just kind of opposite sides of the same thing right which is Mm -hmm. guys with lightsabers who you know can use the force like telekinetically and we do you know we do big pushes and pulls and everything. We see um, the future kind of with it. Sure, whatever, right? And, and just lightning sometimes and, and all that kind of stuff. But something like this, a little more abstract of like, I don't know, you can sing and tap into the force somehow. I think that's cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's fun to see it come around. I think that's neat and a different kind of take on it. Oh, yeah. Um, just another one. Quite solid. Yeah, I'd say most of these were solid, except for like the pit, maybe. Yeah, the pit one just kind of didn't do much for it. But even that, it wasn't horrible, I guess. So yeah, just kind of like maybe forgettable. I was slightly disappointed. I guess I didn't really look into it too much until like right as this was coming out. But that um, I don't know. I expected uh to follow up on some of the ones from the first season. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of did too. I was hoping maybe we'd see another. Ninth Jedi thing. That's the one I like the most. So. That's a big one. I think that's that's a lot of people's favorite as well. And that's what we were hoping. And I think they said something to the effect like that they were working on it. And so I guess people just anticipated it would be in the second season. Or if it's even... I, it might be a thing of like, they were like, we have an idea, but I don't know if if that's something that anyone else is interested in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like maybe uh, they the creatives there have an idea of what they would do. But the they haven't gone back to actually get them to make it for this show. But I would mm-hmm. like that. I think that'd be cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, they, they, they all stand on their own. What do you think? So how do you want to compare it to the first season? I guess that's a big question. Um, I would say, I don't know, I guess I would like the first season more. But the first season, I don't know if it's totally fair because that season was more action-oriented. 
watched, like maybe if you were to like to draw parallels, like the first season was more like ways we've always seen the Force used, mm-hmm. like with the the they got the Sith hunting other Sith, uh, the Nine Jedi, all that stuff, and then this one was like you said with the singing and stuff, like more diff- different ways to use the Force, like a lot of like different ends of like the Force is something that everyone can use. So how do other cultures use it who don't aren't the Jedi and the Sith to show that there is difference? That like the Jedi and the Sith are like mm-hmm. religions and cultures, not like constants in the universe. And I think there's something to be said for the idea that this second season is international like this. And I think these different cultures have something different to bring to it. Whereas with the last one where it was all, you know, Japanese anime based, I think a lot of them ended up hitting similar beats, right? Of like, let's just do big flashy Star Wars action through an anime lens, right? Just, you know, turn everything up to 11. Yeah. I think like maybe a good half of the ones from that um, did that. Whereas this was, yeah, a much bigger spectrum. There wasn't as much lightsabers and shit. It was just like, it was like families and, and, you know, caring about each other and all that. Um, And I think, yeah, that probably played to its strength. I guess, I think the way I would probably phrase it is that season two was more consistent, maybe. But maybe it also yeah. didn't have the, the highs as well. I would I would agree with that for sure. Because I still think I like The Last Jedi and probably, for me personally, like The Village Bride from season one more than anything in this season. But again, I think maybe across the board is more consistent because there's a couple from... There, there's more in season one that I really just didn't care much for at all. Like the singing one. Yeah, the singing one in that one I didn't think was very good because it was just nothing. Just um, the song. Yeah. So that one. And there's the one... The robot one, the like Astro Boy kind of thing, that one didn't do much for me either. Yeah, that one was weird. Um, at least just a little bit, but I don't know. I guess it was. I mean, it's weird. I was thinking about the one the other because I'm like, am I mean to the droid? Like, I I like the droid. So why does that guy not get to be like he's alive too? Right? It's a weird thing. The whole the whole issue of droid sentience in Star Wars is. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of debate on it. <laughs> oh, also the Elder. That was in season one. That one was really good. Oh, yeah, the other was great. I love the other. Yeah, I think like there's a couple really solid, and then a couple ones that you're like whatever. But I think probably it, yeah, it evens out to being a little bit ahead. But overall, just they're both good. It's a good show, <clears throat> I think. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm glad they they make this. We may do a season three. Yes, I think they already are working on season three. Perfect. That sounds great. I think I saw that. Uh, so something to that effect. Let's just give it a quick Google right here. You might as well. While we're here, Star Wars Vision 3, what do we got? Um, according to comingsoon.net, Star Wars Vision 3 is in development at Disney+. Plus. I don't know if that's real. The review, geek sa- the review geek says it hasn't, but it probably will. Whatever. I think it is. <laughs> I saw a, a YouTube short uh, earlier that said they will, I think. So I'm just going to go off of that. YouTube shorts are completely reliable. There's nothing ever wrong with them. They don't let you put lies on there, so... No, it's actually illegal. The mm-hmm. CEO of YouTube now, I think it's different than it used to be. Yeah, it's not the same woman who was it for a while. No. Somebody. So the joke's not going to really land, is it? No, I, her name's like Susan, I think. I don't yeah, know. That's, that was her name. YouTubers complain about her all the time, and I don't really care. You know how it goes. Yeah. All right, Jack. I think we can attack out of that into our final topic for this evening. Dave. Episode, oh boy, six? Six, six or seven. I'll check. I'll check. Uh, Yep, episode seven. What's this one called? Oh, I don't know. You know that. Honestly. It's just called Honestly. 
Oh, thank you. I thought you were, I thought you were like, honestly, Jack, figure it out. Um, this one's not too complex. No. Pretty simple one. Uh, so basically, it's the fallout from last episode where Dave is like on Jimmy Kimmel. His penis has gone double platinum. He's got a really nice house. He's making songs with Benny and Gata. And he's riding off the death thing. Um, Benny's kind of calling him out on. He's like, your death scam? He's like, nope, not a scam. I'm not lying to anybody. Technically, you know, I haven't really lied to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing a lot of technicalities and stuff. Um, and Robin's coming to visit from Wisconsin. And they like even told her about that. And he's like, no, not yet. And maybe I will. And, you know, then they're trying to get him to go to the beach. But he's like, no, I want to spend time with Robin. He's really dedicated to spending time with her because, you know, he's been trying to get a relationship and connect with people this uh, whole season. Uh, and while they're there together, they, he gets super high and, like, gets taken out of commission. And Allie shows up to his house to tell Robin that, like, hey, we have a surprise party for Dave tomorrow. His family's here. Like, everybody's here. We need you to, like, get him there. Can you do that? She's like, yeah, sure. So then it becomes, like, Robin trying to lie her way to get him there. And that causes stress and, you know, some, some build up. And then Mike gets a fun subplot where he tries to branch out. He does. I did like the Mike subplot in this one. Yeah, it was good. Where uh, Dave's new, what is it? She's his publicist? Yes. And him strike up a bit of a relationship, which is fun. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. This one didn't really. It was fine. I don't think it was super engaging for me. Um, it just kind of nice at the end, I guess. Which yeah. isn't as uh, interesting at times, I suppose. There's not, not a ton of drama to this. Or, I mean, there is, but it gets resolved pretty pretty cleanly. Yeah, it's, it's not too, like, intense and like, oh, how are they going to get out of this one? It's just like, oh, that's the way. And I also, like, it's not really... I don't know. So, so the thing is, right, obviously the big conflict is that, like, for a lot of this, she's, like, hiding stuff from him, trying to trying to manipulate him into doing the surprise party thing for him. And um, it causes this friction because she's acting weird and she has to, like, yeah, she's really trying to force it and push the issue at times in a way that's not really natural. And then, it, you know, I thought it was interesting that she just kind of comes clean at a certain point, which I think makes sense at a, at a certain point. She does like a human. You're just going to be like, listen, she's yeah. gonna have to do this. and it works out because she's like, oh, well, if you, you know, that's that makes sense. And then he comes clean with his thing or whatever. And, uh, you know, he just kind of puts on a he, he pretends when they show up there. And that's all cool. But. I don't know. Like, I get that that actual that drama's not super dramatic to me because it's just like, yeah. Again, I I guess the only thing to that is that she said she mentions during that right, like, oh, I've been I've also been like lying this whole time. I've been here, right? Like, like mm-hmm. pretending she got a different kind of personality. But I don't, I, guess I don't really know what that means. Yeah, I don't. Because you caught she, that right? Where she's like, yeah. Because he's like, oh, I lied about being dead, and she's like, oh, well, I've been lying the the whole time I've been here, and it's like, wait, what is that? in what sense because they do know each other right i mean it's they know each other i guess very briefly but still i don't know there's something to that so they connected on a pretty intense level just be like what yeah what was she you know in what way was she pretending or lying or or presenting a different kind of thing i don't know but again it works out i guess so yeah it kind of works out in the end there you go uh yeah i I mean it's kind of hilarious too right as it seems like they're in a pretty decent yeah. place actually going forward from here. Yeah, they meet the parent. They meet um, true. Their parents. True. She meets his parents, and then uh, there's they get an elephant for him, and they like 
both like elephants. They bond over that. Yeah, they bond on like a. It's a nice level because they both. It's their favorite animal. That's that's cute. Whatever. I like. I like the, oh, sorry. What were you gonna say? I was. Gonna, I like the Gator stuff in this episode. I thought he was pretty funny. Gator's yeah, always good. Yeah. yeah. And it was like there are too many hosts me be jerking off. What am I? <laughs> Like, all right, that's all right. Okay, get him again out there, get his gander. I guess so. Uh, I do think it's funny though that even the two other two, like you know, rich famous guys were both like, "What do you mean? You you just you didn't since when?" He's like, "I don't know, the twelfth grade. I I haven't jerked off since the twelfth grade." And they're like, "What? <laughs> like twenty years? What are you even saying?" Yeah, he's like, "Nah, I'm just I'm gonna like grind too much, man." Which I mean, I guess I guess so. Can't hate can't hate a guy for grinding, you I know. Suppose you I hate him because I hate him really in a lot of ways. And I love the seal bit with I was his dad. Say, that's what I was going to say. As I thought that the was seal bit was really funny. <laughs> You're right. Like, oh, what can I do? Fuck. Oh, fuck. No. <laughs> yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think his dad had the best delivery out of that scene. Because they're all oh, just, yeah. yeah, in sequence being like, oh, the freaking seal man. And then, yeah, just the way he like flips so quickly. Because he's just like, oh, what's the task? I'll help. I'd love to. And then he's just like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ! Oh God, horrible! Yeah, there's like a big dead seal there. I mean, what are you gonna do? Seals are heavy too. I feel like oh, yeah. probably and a bloated dead seal, way heavier. Because he's like, Betty's like the three of us. I bet could move it. I don't even know if they could. No, they're not really like Benny's not that tall. Dave's mother's like look older, and yeah, like I mean, Gate is Gate is like tall, but he's like very skinny. He doesn't have a lot of muscle on him. Oh yeah. So I don't know if they even could. It's a good bit. Uh but yeah. So I guess. See where that goes, I suppose. I assume they're gonna play this off into a more long term kind of thing. Uh probably, right? Yeah, I would think so, based on this episode, unless they shifted immediately. Mm-hmm. I guess I still gotta wonder on some level what the deal with the alley thing is. I mean, I guess it really could just be that they're just f- good friends now, and that's cool and all. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like that's gotta there's something else there. Especially because we had specifically the episode this season where Allie was is not doing well romantically, right? Yeah, like that's got to be intentional. So I don't know. Curious. Uh, yeah. the, 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 the the pool. Um, I also wonder if this the death thing's gonna start catching up to him. Mm-hmm. It feels like they like they're making like they're still thinking about it, and Dave's still like, well, you know, I didn't lie. Like, let's not talk about it. Let's just forget about it. Mike's trying to forget about it. They're very much like working to be like, let's just get that behind us, and nobody's talking about it. No one can scrutinize this anymore. Yeah, it doesn't seem to like really have had an impact thus far. I guess the argument could be though is that like he decides. I mean, he does pull back at the end of last episode, right? He decides it's the wrong thing to do, and they they remedy it to whatever extent, yeah. right? So I guess the argument could be that like because he made the right decision, they don't have you know a ton of consequences to face. It's not like they went all the way through with it, maybe. Right. Of course not. You know what I mean, so. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe to face super strong consequences. Although, yeah, there's shades of that with the publicists and stuff. People are like, yeah, not not totally on board because it does feel like he faked his death because he kind of did. In a lot but of I ways. mean, next one is the one where they go to the Met Gala. So, ooh, definitely gonna be great. I mean, that feels cool. like it's it's the thing I said a couple weeks ago, right? Or maybe I said it even in reference to the Met Gala. I think probably I did, right? <laughs> Which is just that in the show he's just skyrocketing to like a whole level, right? Where yeah, his his the fictional version of himself is a platinum guy. Or I, mean, I don't even know if it actually got there, but you get it. Like I just, it's just interesting that his um in in the universe of the show here, Dave Bird is like an A list celebrity type, right? 
Right, yeah. Like going to the Met Gala type of guy is pretty next level. So <laughs> I don't know. It should be interesting, funny. I st- I still am curious to see how many people they get in there. There's got to be like quite a few. Mm. I still can't imagine, like, because again, the whole point of that is that pretty much everyone there has to be famous. So I don't know how they're going to do that because we talked about the the list of people they already have and they've already churned through a few of them. So, but whatever. Yeah, we'll see. Good stuff. Oh yeah, good stuff so far. Last three episodes coming up. Yeah, so should be good. good. Also, um, I was say Els and okay, what is your name? Emma. Emma. I want to say Emily, but Emma. They seem to be getting their relationship. Yeah, maybe re- maybe rekindling that potentially. Yeah. Seemed like it. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. That could be. Yeah, um, but, yeah, but I sh- I shipped them, Jack. I must say, I'd say ship them too. I thought it was nice in season one. They seemed like they had some going there, and then it just kind of completely dropped off. Um, face of the fucking earth. But I mean, I guess that's life. I guess that's the point, right? Yeah. But yeah, it would be cool. I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything else to say though? No, I don't think I don't think nothing else for the rest of Dave here. All right, perfect. So with that, we can act attack into the end of the show. Oh. Excuse me. As always, thanks so much for listening. You can always find us on Twitter at Akatech Jazz. That's Akatech J A Z. Uh, on Gmail at akatechjazz at gmail.com or on Instagram at the Akatech Podcast, all lowercase. Um, you can listen to us wherever you find your podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, tell your lovers. Uh, our logo was done by friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean at jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. Our intro was done by friend of the show, Celery Salt. You can find him on Spotify and SoundCloud with his various musical um, uploads, uh, albums, singles, and all that. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Take night to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night. And here's to 100 more episodes. Woo! Woo! One of the...